Greetings and salutations guys, welcome back to the Illuminati. Uh, another fun episode this week I think. Yes, I think it chose a good one. This is this is one of my OG conspiracies as well. Yeah, the original gangster ones, yeah. You know like the, uh, you've got the moon landing, you've got Roswell, they have murder triangles in there with like the original first one you as a kid. And it was always brought up to me as, this is fact. Yeah, yeah, it was like, this is fact, you don't go there, you'll go missing. <laughs> like, and it was like, I think, like, sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course, you see the title, This Week is the Bermuda Triangle. Um, but yeah, it was that thing, like, as a kid, I think from like, age of seven until about 12, I just thought it in my head that anything that flew in or sailed into the blue area never got sawn again. Like, everything that went in, everything disappeared <laughs> and no one knew why. Uh, I didn't think it was everything, but I just genuinely did think, well, Whoa, you better get some life insurance before you get on the boat and travel through there. And, uh, and do you know what? TV is partly awful because the fucking shit they used to put on telly comes with like all these conspiracy things about the Bermuda Triangle. You never. Because when we were young, the internet wasn't a thing. No, no, this is. We've said this before, we used to get. Uh, I think I said it on the moon landing, where I flip flopped so many times as a youngster on it because moon landing happened, my parents told me it happened, it was a big thing for them and it's like alright oh, that's cool that's amazing yeah. and then I saw something in the early 90s on TV but I no internet to debunk it <laughs> exactly the only library I had above my local library my school library that didn't have those kind of books in oh you got your mates at school or saw the same TV show as you and went did you see that TV yeah, show yeah I saw it as well so yeah but, <sighs> but you've never framed a reference of them of what the TV yeah. gives you yeah. whereas now you can you know you can watch us here and go what the fuck are these guys talking about I found this right right and write off us in the comments <laughs> which we highly encourage um, <laughs> but yeah it would it was, this was just back as TV we were fucking 90s oh. TV were like this is how it is and you're like okay thank you <laughs> have you have you in 90 sweeties and watch this TV program and everything's true it was yeah I remember seeing uh, I believe it or not or, or something like one of those TV programs yeah Ripley's Believe It or Not or but I can't I can never remember the one I mentioned it a few times I can never remember the one that the Riker, one Riker in uh yeah, well, come to me at some point. Some of that, yeah. If you see me then I was going, it's this! Yeah, we'll go back to this point. But yeah, they used to put it on telly, like random times at night, you used to watch it. Bermuda Triangle was one of those things when that, which came up when I was young, which reinforced all the stories of my parents, and dad used to tell me because he's a Moanda merchant. But, <laughs> but it's just like, Bermuda Triangle, it's a real thing, it's the real deal. You go in there, and there's, there's aliens, there's Atlantis, there's these. This all sorts of secret shit. I was like, wow, this is a magnificent place. No, it's not. You go in there, you're never coming back. You come, that's like, what? Sorry, Jonathan Frakes, Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Fact or Fiction, that's, that's it. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, but I had dad's book. Dickheads. Dickheads, yeah, dad, I love you, but you were a dickhead. I, I've got a memory from about nine year old. Um, at our old age, you know, the one in the cul de sac that I grew up in, <laughs> right? And I remember it clearly pristine in my head. Stood on the corner, we're coming back from somewhere. I can't remember where, I just remember being stuck on the corner with my dad. And I know everyone come out of the house, we'd all come out of the house because the moon had gone green. Oh, right. Well, I missed it around. And it, I remember being like a greener colour, but it was like a lunar eclipse. Right, okay. Kind of, like a solar eclipse summit, but something like I don't know what it was, it had gone green because of some kind of. Are you cut up it was a blue moon? I don't know. But I remember it being like a greeny, yellow colour, right? And I just remember going to him like, oh, why is the moon that colour? Oh, it's because someone's just landed on it, son. And I'm like, oh, wow, someone's on the moon right now. And it was some kind of fucking solar eclipse or lunar eclipse or something. 
My dad's just a prick and I didn't know the answer. He went, oh, it's because someone's just landed on it. No, they're the best answers. <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure that I've sent people in the wrong direction 17 times. Like, don't know the answer. Yeah, down there on the right bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> down there, third right, fourth left, down. Yeah, you'll see it right at the bottom. Where's shorts this way? I'm going to the fucking way. You're not going to find me again. Okay? Absolutely sure. <laughs> it's that way. You can just look at Google on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's down there. But anyway. That, that, that's what assholes does. I remember that, that one vividly, and then one that my dad told me that I passed on to my kid were if the ice cream box play music, it means it's run out of ice cream. That's what you tell every kid. <laughs> I was quite lucky. My parents didn't tell me that. Mum and is going, I'm not fucking spending five quid on an ice cream and I can get you three tubs. <laughs> that whole thing, can I, can, I have, can I have an ice cream? We've got shock ices in freezer. They're uh, not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I put a flake in it. Really? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Anyway, but we're gonna try. Yeah, this is this is full of things that I grew up. This is facts. This wasn't even a conspiracy thing. I think we're like fifteen. And do you know what? I'm not gonna. I still think that's still true today for a lot of people. But yeah, yeah. Facts. There's no. There's no room for interpretation or, or new knowledge. Or it's just this is. I'm adamant. This is. It's one of those like we talk about the the moon landings. I I still think if you say to someone doing a triangle, it's like instantly this is it they've got no reference of this might not be true yeah i've not looked into it it's just they've had that 90s indoctrination if you like and just like oh yeah i know that this and this happened it's true like if you looked into it in the last 20 years no i don't need to because i know it's true like look at all these things that have happened (laughs) yeah so i still think it's it's live today because it's still got that that wonderful mythology around it and 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 people don't even know why they believe it like if you sit down now and go when you were a kid, why did you believe it? Because my dad said it was true, and so and they the can't tell it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're like, right? Did you? Ever, we never investigated it. We just believed it, and then. Well, you, we had no way of investigating it. Wait, there's some newspaper. I'm gonna get to them later. <laughs> Are we? They come up in my notes. Right, if they're coming up in your notes, this must be the batshit crazy section. Yeah, it's the batshit crazy <laughs> section. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> History Channel will get in before they do. <laughs> if the sun ever come up, it's the case of, oh yeah, we're talking the crazies because we all know no truth comes from the sun newspaper. Oh, wonderful yeah. UK rag tops. We, we go on about you a lot. We give you bad rag tops. We give them. We give them some shit, and I think it's fully deserved. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say we don't give them a bad name. They give it themselves, and we just. Tell we, the world. we just tell the world what fucking arseholes they are. Dirty, <laughs> dirty smear merchants. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Rupert. <laughs> Where will we get all your, your triangle, Bermuda Triangle? So, the Bermuda Triangle, as always, I'm going to kick off with its origins. <clears throat> I like to start factually if we can. Um, factually? No, we're trying to get as factual as we can, but I like to get a solid basis for where we're okay. starting. So, you go, Badger. The Bermuda Triangle, <clears throat> also known as the Devil's Triangle, which I quite like that. Uh, Half of them didn't exist. <laughs> is, is a loosely defined region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean, where a number of aircraft and ships have said to have disappeared in mysterious circumstances. Early suggestion of an unusual disappearances in the Bermuda area appeared in September 17, 1950 article published in the Miami Herald by Edward Van Winkle Jones. What a fucking name. I know what she's about to say. Dancer. EVWJ, what a wonderful name. Edward Van Winkle Jones. Um, two years later, a fake magazine published Sea Mystery at our back door. Uh, firstly, that just sounds like a 
one of those fantasy Hubbard <laughs> stories. That just well, it's now a religion. <laughs> As is. Yeah. As is this. As is this, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was a short article by George Sand. Right? Now, the reason that one's important is because the first article ever written by Rayleigh was 1950 by Edward Van Winkle Jones. Two years later, George Sand wrote it. But the thing that's most important about George Sand's article is that he was the first to lay out the triangle. Up from Puerto Rico to... Right yeah, so Edward Van Winkle just went, oh, there's disappearances in this area. It was... Okay. Sand article was the first to lay out the now familiar triangular area where the losses took place, as well as the first to suggest a supernatural element to the Flight 19 incident, which is... We'll get to Flight 19 in a bit. Yeah, it's the thing that started the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, in February 1964, Vincent Gaddis wrote an article called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle in the pulp magazine Argosy. Um, and he was saying Flight 19 and other disappearances were part of a pattern of strange events in the region. The next year, Gaddis expanded this article into a book called Invisible Horizons. Right? Now, Gaddis's article is important because while Sam's laid out as a triangle, um, Gaddis changed the triangle, the vertices of the triangle. Alright, oh, okay. So he put the boundaries of the triangle giving its vertices as Miami, San Juan, Puerto Rico and Bermuda. Oh, San Juan and thing is, is yeah. it's one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's Miami, San Juan, uh, Miami, San Juan, Puerto Rico and Bermuda. Okay. Alright. Um, subsequent writers did not necessarily follow this definition. Some writers gave different boundaries and vertices to the triangle. With the total area varying from 1.3 million to 3.9 million kilometres squared. It's still vast. So it's quite vast, but it's yeah. one point I remember. But I no one can really decide because some writers change it to fit. Oh, move this over here, it fits these. So it's a 300% difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's moving for where. This is a bit I think it's important where other writers move it to fit more. Yeah. I can write about this disappearance. And if we move it in. If I write a book about this disappearance, I'm going to be slightly uh, cynical. cynical here. But still, the bar, it's kind of my thought here is, oh, I can write a book about this disappearance. Oh, that'll get $100,000. But if I move this line of the Bermuda Triangle over by half a million miles, it's now a Bermuda Triangle. But, half a million miles? Well, yeah, it goes from 1.3 to 3.9 million kilometers kilometers square. squared. Sorry. That's it, that's a canal. Yeah, but still move it by half a million, or move by a million kilometers squared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it now becomes a Bermuda Triangle book. And it'll make 500,000 instead of 100,000. Yeah, see, you've gone, this is a triangle, but there's a really interesting story over here. If we can bring that in. If we move that triangle there, triangle. and then, then I said we move the triangle book, it goes in that section of books and it sells yeah. more money. Um, so, yeah. Um, always follow, so uh, we've, I've always, always follow the money. I do this in every single thing where people have, have financial interest in the story to continue. Mm -hmm. If someone's got a vested interest in keeping the story alive for their own financial gain personally instantly for me whether that's a, the right or wrong way for me to attack this I always go hold on something doesn't smell right yeah that's how follow I the, always always follow the money in, in whether it's just this or in life yeah if someone's doing something someone's being really nice and doing something for an opportunity follow the money and I'm not saying like you get a really good opportunity I'm saying don't take it but if you're going to make like a couple of grand out of an opportunity the person who's offering you it is getting more out of it. So, have you got your science behind this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called life. <laughs> but, um, that's it, the writers change boundaries. 
Some writers even stretch it as far as the Irish coast. So just call it the whole sea. <laughs> <laughs> the whole sea. The Irish coast. Yep. I'm mental in it. Uh, uh, consequently, um, the determination of which accidents occurred inside the triangle depends on which writer reported them. Yeah. So basically going, Gaddis, so, uh, so Sands was the first one to lay out a triangular area. Right. Gaddis was the first, then sort of like solidified where the where the area actually is. Okay. So I'm assuming like Sands kind of went, this is the triangle. And Gaddis went, actually, this is the triangle. And that was the triangle for a while. Yeah. That was kind of the accepted, the accepted triangle is Gaddis's triangle. But then the triangle changes depending on who's writing the book. So exactly like I was saying, trying to fit, if I can move this triangle over here a bit, then I can fit my my book about this, dis- this ship disappearing well, into a Bermuda Triangle book. And it'll well, this off. is automatically an issue. So, before we even get into any of the things, accidents or anything that we've seen... You've already poisoned the well, haven't you? Yeah, because you don't even have something defined as to what what the the, the area of accidents we're supposed to be looking at. Which was it, it's generally accepted by Bermuda Triangle researchers, the Gaddis, it's called the gaddis Argosi Triangle, because um, it was written by Gaddis. It was written by Vincent Gaddis, and it was in a pulp magazine called Argosi. So it's the Vincent, it's the gaddis Argosi Triangle. But not everyone agrees to it. Most Bermuda <coughs> Triangle researchers agree on the gaddis Argosi Triangle. So for the purpose of this video then, we're going to agree to that one? Uh, yeah. Um, but we might mention some outside of that, but, but yeah, but when we move outside of that, I want to put that bit in right at the top of the show that the triangle changes depending on who's writing the book. Right? And it's never <coughs> it's never research either. So people that are researching the Bermuda Triangle or are researching into it, you know, amateur research and stuff like that and wreck divers and stuff, they seem to work off the uh, the Gaddis Argosi triangle. So only when someone's writing a book that the triangle moves. It's always the authors of books that move the triangle to fit their disappearances in with it. We should write the Illuminati Bermuda Triangle mythology book and just try and make some money. We're doing it for money. Alright, straight away. We don't fuck it, we don't have the cash to go out of Bermuda. We could do the rhubarb triangle. <laughs> We've already talked about the Bermuda moving to Bermuda. We've talked about this already. <laughs> but we could do the rhubarb triangle. <laughs> What's the rhubarb? You know about the rhubarb triangle <clears throat> between Leeds, Dewsbury, and Wakefield. Okay. And it produces some like ninety percent of the country's rhubarb. That rhubarb's nasty. Gorgeous. You've got to put sugar on it. Gorgeous rhubarb festival. You're fucking rhubarb gin, rhubarb vodka, rhubarb jam. Okay. Fucking all sorts. Brilliant rhubarb fudge. It's fantastic. It's nice in drinks and it's nice with lots of sugar. But if you just go, ooh rhubarb. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you go to rhubarb, but we could do, I don't know, I'm, sp- I'm sure there's like fucking, over the last 20 years of the rhubarb festival have been happening, 20 kids have gone missing. They've disappeared in the rhubarb triangle. The disappearance of children in the rhubarb triangle. Got them. And then, and then, you know, once that gets big, we'll be right our second book. We just moved the triangle out to fucking Halifax. <laughs> and Doncaster. Got Halifax to and Doncaster, and then like, we're bringing more child disappearances. I'm mixing it all a million head, mate. Boom, we've cracked it. Fuck this YouTube show, we're done. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Worthless imbecile. <laughs> but Matt got that bit, I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, it's just. Yeah. 
write a book about the fucking rhubarb triangle, but yeah, so most Bermuda researchers take the Gaddis Argosy Okay. Well, for now then, for this, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that my research, <laughs> my research is um, within this mm-hmm. particular triangle. I think it's all within that particular triangle. I can't, I can't see anything. So, I just want to go, quick, I've got a list of all the incidents. So we can see when we say things have gone missing, that's exactly what went missing and how many. Um, so the first, I'm going to start with aircraft incidents. Okay. Um, so the first one is uh, 1945, December 5th, Flight 19. Flight 19, that's the big one. Which yeah. was the first ever reported incident of the Bermuda Triangle. Now there's some before um, that caught in notes where um, some reports of Christopher Columbus seeing a UFO. Um, you can't even sail to Bermuda though. Uh, it's in it, it was just off the Bahamas. Okay. Um, it was. It pointed out to two of the King of Spain's people that were with him, um, the Comptroller and the King's wardrobeman, about this flashing light, and they saw this light. And it was the one of the crewmen had spotted land, but this light was off to the opposite direction of land. They could see this light. It flashed on, then it flashed off again, then it moved and flashed on. Um, and it's in his diaries. But it's a UFO sighting, which is quite cool, Christopher Columbus seeing a UFO sighting. But is it Moody Triangles about disappearances and Can we in a future episode cover something on, on Columbus? Because Oh I fucking love to. I I've got a fair few things to say about Columbus. I it's fair to say I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um I click I tell we'll, we'll wait till Columbus Day or something if they wait. Yeah, we'll do on Columbus if they still do they still do Columbus Day in America anymore. I think they're still celebrating. Maybe the Walker Brigade have said you can't. The Walker Brigade have started stopping in some places. But either way, me and yeah. you have got a chat. Me and um, to Columbus. So, please, sorry, yeah, please. So Flight nineteen was um, the most famous one. With uh, five TBF Avenger aeroplanes uh, went missing with fourteen airmen on board. Um, Late the same day, a PBM Mariner um, airplane boat, boat plane, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they can land on yeah, water and yeah. yeah. Uh, that got lost with 13 men on board while searching for Flight 19. That's right, yeah. Um, now, I, wanna, I don't know if you've got all on Flight 19, but I'm, I've got, it's in my crazy letter, uh, it's Flight 19. But basically, that was, um, they were in a bombing exercise. They were, yeah. And they completed the bombing exercise perfectly fine, all three parts of it. Coming flying back home to Fort Lauderdale in Florida, and the compasses on all five planes stopped working. Not all five. Not all five planes. Oh, the reports I read saw all five. No, no. It only went on Taylor's plane. Right. But he was the leader. And so you had all these other, all these junior people who had not really been on Bob Runs who had less than 300 hours between them of flight right. um, so it was Taylor himself so um, I've got more notes on it here but we'll get to flight 19 now if you want um, so oh, shall we, yeah shall we go into flight 19 yeah, yeah. because this, I, I think this is where when you talk about that book this is the one where they said this is where it starts well this is when we're about the 90s TV as kids yeah. this was what Bermuda Triangle was about Man, was flight 19 I Sure, mine was about like something like Mary Celeste or something like that. I'm, no, I remember Mary Celeste being. I mentioned like ghost ships and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Have been linked to it, but the big thing of the show was Flight 19. Okay. Um, so it was a designation group of five General Motors Eastern Aircraft Division TOB Avenger Torpedo Bo- Torpedo Bombers. 
the exact cause of the loss of Flight 19. Even to this day, it's classed as unexplained. Only, well, only to a certain extent. They've got, they've got loads of, they've almost come to a determination without having a fact, because they've never, they've never found the planes. Never found the planes. But we do have all the audio. Yeah. Do you understand? So basically, they, uh, they were on a, a combat training exercise called Navigation Problem Number One. A combination of bombing and navigation, which other flights had completed or were scheduled to undertake that day. The flight leader was United States Navy Lieutenant Cap Charles Carroll Taylor, who had about 2,500 flying, flying hours, most, mostly in an aircraft of this type, while his trainee pilots each had 300 total flying hours and 60 flight hours in the Avenger. Taylor completed a combat tour in the Pacific Sea as torpedo bomber pilot on the aircraft carrier USS Hancock, and had recently arrived from NAS Miami where he'd also been a VTB, torpedo bombing plane, instructor. So this guy's qualified to do this mission. Qualified to run it. Yes, on uh, normal days, yes. The student pilots had recently completed other training missions in the area where the flight was to take place, so they knew the area. Yeah. They were US Marine Captains Edward Joseph Powers and George William Strivers, US Marine 2nd Lieutenant Forrest James Gerber, and USN Ensign Joseph Tipton Bossy. All their call signs started with Fox Terror. The aircraft were four TBM Munsees, uh, FT3, FT36, FT81, blah blah. Alright, so this is going into a lot of data about the things I don't really need to know. So each was fully fuelled, and during pre flight checks it was discovered they were all missing clocks. Navigation of the route was intended to teach dead reckoning principles, which involved calculating, among other things, elapsed time. The apparent lack of timekeeping equipment was not a cause for concern, as it was assumed each man had his own watch. That's quite fun from the start, like, um, none of the planes have a clock in them, like, where the fuck have the clocks gone? Why don't the planes have clocks in them? But, ah, oh, don't worry about it, Every, everyone's got his own watch. Yeah. Alright, um, that's a bit fucked. Um, so, so be- before he even took off, though, Taylor, he turned up 25 minutes late. That's my next bit. Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, takeoff was scheduled for 1345 local time, but the late arrival of Taylor delayed departure until 1410. Weather at NES Fort Lauderdale was described as favourable, sea state was moderate to rough. Taylor was supervising the mission and a trainee pilot had the role of leader out from. Called Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale, for navigation problem number one, the exercise involved three different legs, but the actual flight should have flown four. So there's three legs to the exercise and then the flight home. Yep. So it's called the three leg exercise because it doesn't take into account the flight home, flight home because yeah. the exercise is completed. Um, so after takeoff, they flew in a heading of 91 degrees, almost due east, for 56 nautical miles, I'm assuming that is, um, until reaching Hen and Chicken Shoals, where low-level bombing practice was carried out. The flight was to continue on that heading for another 67 nautical miles, before turning to a course of 346 degrees for 73 nautical miles, in the process of overflying Grand Bahama Island. The next scheduled turn was a heading of 241 degrees to fly 120 nautical miles, at the end of which the exercise was completed and the Avengers would turn left and return to Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Alright? So I'll put a picture up on screen now so you can see what I'm showing Craig here. So the takeoff, flight it from 1 to 2, 2 to 3, and then over 4, and then back of there. Yep. Alright? So all you can see on this picture here that's on the screen now. One is leave Fort Lauderdale, 
Pop T10 on that heading to 91 degrees. Two, turn left, fly for 73 nautical miles. Three, turn ahead in front, 20 nautical miles. Four, radio tra triangulation establishes flight position moving 50 nautical miles, where we can see on flop four. Five is where the mariner leaves, and six is where the mariner explodes. So we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but that's what that picture is showing you. So you can see one, two, three is exercise. Four is where the last triangulate the plane's positions. Yeah. <coughs> and then five and six is the rescue mission. Right. Radio conversation between the pilots were overheard by base and other aircraft in the area. The practice bombing operation is known to have been carried out because at 1500 a pilot requested and was given permission to drop his last bomb. 40 minutes later, another flight instructor, Lieutenant Robert F. Cox in FT-74, who was forming up with a group of students for the same mission, received an unidentified transmission. An unidentified crew member asked Powers, one of the students, for his compass reading. Powers replied, I don't know where we are. We must have got lost after that last turn. Cox then transmitted, This is FT-74, plane or boat calling Powers. Please identify yourself so someone can help you. The response after a few moments was a request from the others in the flight for suggestions. FT-74 tried again and the man identified as FT-28, Taylor, came on. FT-28, this is FT-74, what is your trouble? Both of my compasses are out, Taylor replied. I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure we're having the keys, but I don't know how far down. I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. Yes. FT-74 informed the NASF that aircraft were lost then advised Taylor to put the sun on his port wing and fly north up the coast of Fort Lauderdale. That was their training. So always, to get back, fly towards the sun. That was what their training was. No, put the sun on your port wing. Oh, oh, oh use the sun. and Yeah, put your, put your sun on the tip of your, tip of your wing under the sun <coughs> and just fly fucking straight, my son. Don't go the other direction. You're going to get on your port wing, keep on your port wing where you go and you, you're going to get to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, that's, how, that's what they were trained to do. Which, it's a very, I always think that's a very British solution. It's like, it's like sailors, find the North Star, you won't you go, go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, base operations then asked if the flight leader's aircraft was equipped with a standard YG, an IFF transmitter. Which is your, your um, was it an XFG? I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's one of those, uh, so we can locate where you are. So we can triangulate. Turn yeah. the fucking thing on. <laughs> um, which could you use to triangulate the flight's position. But the message was not acknowledged by FT-28. So this is where, in a lot of the books you'll find, that this is going through the actual Navy's investigation. Right. Yeah. Navy. This is their record. So they're sending messages out, not getting a reply. 20 minutes later, getting another message, responding to it, not getting a reply. So a lot of the books that are written about this kind of go on the theme of the their radios weren't working either. There was some kind of interference, so they're getting messages out but not getting messages in. So they weren't getting instruction. Um, so um, sent the sent the message to turn your transmitter on so we can try to get the position, but the message was not not acknowledged. Later, it would indicate that his transmitter was activated, but instead, at sixteen forty-five, FT twenty-eight radioed, "We are heading zero thirty degrees for forty-five minutes." Then we will fly north to make sure we're not over the Gulf of Mexico. During this time, no bearings could be made on the flight, and IFF could not be picked up, so his transmitter could not be picked up the control plane. Taylor was told to broadcast on 4805 kilohertz. This order was not acknowledged, so he was asked to switch to 3000 kilohertz to search and rescue frequency. 
Taylor replied, I cannot switch frequencies, I must keep my planes intact. Okay. That's a bizarre thing to say. It is. I mean... I mean, this is a weird story because we only know what's coming from broken communication on the ground. We don't, they could have been saying all sorts, he's gone through a... This, he's an attractor being, he's tried switching frequencies and he's playing one was apart, so he's got to, got to keep on this frequency because this spaceship's got him an attractor beam and he changes frequencies, it breaks his plane apart. So, but he's told us all that, but it's not come through. So we're only getting one side of the story. We don't know what Taylor's side of the story was. And it's really weird that changing frequency will break his plane up. Um, yes. The rest of it makes sense, though. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, at 1656, Taylor was again ascertained on the transmitter for YGV had one. He did not acknowledge. He did not acknowledge that a few minutes later, advised his flight change course to zero ninety degrees due east for ten minutes. About the te- same time, someone in the flight—I'm uh, sure that means a squad of planes—said, "Damn it! If we could just fly west, we would get home. Head west, damn it!" Yeah. This difference of opinion later led to questions about why the students did not simply head west on their own. They're taught not to. It's being explained that this can be attributed to military discipline. Yeah, they're taught not to, yeah. So like, I, I know going west gets us home, but got to do what the fucking commander says. Yeah, so, and that's the indoctrination of the military, really. So Although there is some accounts. Um, went, one of the planes just went, fuck this, I'm going. But then came back. And then he came back. He right. persuaded to come back, yeah. As the weather deteriorated, radio contact became intermittent. Like, now he's a bit weird. You know, it's going too far out now. That's but this is 1945. Yeah, I mean, we've got to realise we're not talking about 2021 technology. Yeah, yeah. A radar back then was terrible. Well, not terrible, but it's nowhere near as sophisticated yeah, yeah. as where it is today. Um, <coughs> it's believed that the five aircraft at this point were more than 200 nautical miles out to the sea east of the Florida Peninsula. Taylor Radio will fly 270 degrees west until landfall or running out of gas and requested a weather check at 1724. By 1750, several land-based radio stations had triangulated Flight 19's position as being within 100 nautical miles radius of 29 degrees north, 79 degrees west. Flight 19 was north of the Bahamas and well off the coast of central Florida, but nobody transmitted this information on an open, repetitive basis. So they found out where they were, but no one told them where they were. Right, okay. Oh, I just simply didn't get through because I moved so far. Didn't even try. Nobody, it didn't say nobody, it didn't want to receive it, it said nobody transmitted this information on an open, repetitive basis. So nobody even tried to figure out where the war, but nobody tried telling them where the war. Which is really weird. There's so many failures that happen in this. So, like, they've got the, they call ZBX receivers, which is the thing that helps to, um, triangulate the, the frequency of where you are um, uh-huh. within the plane and for some other reason nobody had them turned on they didn't turn them on at all on this flight well they had to ask me if they had them equipped like how do you know how do you not know what your plane's equipped with <coughs> um, so I've got like this. earlier on they asked if you've got a YG transmitter do you have a YG transmitter on board well you fucking sent us out <laughs> you know what's on here so the pilots either didn't hear the message or didn't acknowledge it, but you should always have them turned on anyway. You should, you should never leave without them. Yeah, but they asked, Fort Lauderdale asked if they had them on board. It, right back here at the beginning. Uh, 
1975, Formula Nista aircraft were lost. Then advised Taylor to put the sun, port, sun on his port wing. Blah, blah. Base operations then asked if the flight leader's aircraft was equipped with a standard YG, which could be used to triangulate the flight. So why are they asking if it's equipped with one if it's standard? Because, it, again, it might be new stuff. It might be new tech, new planes. Yeah, no, maybe the plane has well on. It's not rolled out yet. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not... A... <laughs> well, I don't know. It just seems bizarre that, one, it's a standard YG transmitter. So standard says it's on everything. Um, but they have to ask if he had one. Maybe it's like... And, two, yeah. why is the base that sent you out doesn't know what's on your plane or not? It's hard, though, isn't it, us sitting here almost 80 years after the fact mm. because you know, we, we'd look at today's standards and go you would never be allowed to leave under any literally the I GPS your asshole this you know, is during World War 2 as well that's finished finished in November in World War 2 didn't it this, yeah, so this was August. Yeah, so, so it was almost over. Yeah, almost over, but you're yeah. assuming supplies are low so all the standard YG transmitters are on the yeah, planes that are yeah, yeah. fighting the war but You'd still be expecting in the war. This will be the most important time to know where your planes are. Uh-huh. You'd be expecting. Um, I mean, I've got I've got a bit more to the conversation, which is really worrying. Uh, I've got but one last bit. Yeah, go on. Please uh, so, uh, last last bit about the flight. Sorry, but yeah, at eighteen oh four, Taylor radioed his flight, radioed to his flight. So this wasn't a lot of these out to the flight, uh, out to the control. I don't think he ever sent a message to control. It just sent them, they just picked up radios they was put into his, the planes in his squad. It didn't actually radio Fort Lauderdale at any point, I don't think. Because all this is just them picking, he never acknowledged one of their messages. Alright. Oh, it, it was just radioing the rest of his planes. So he radioed his flight, holding 270. We didn't fly far enough east. We may as well just turn around and fly east again. By that time, the weather deteriorated even more and the sun had set. Around 1820, Taylor's last message was received. Uh, it's also been reported that that message was received at 1904, so some reports 1820, some are 1904. It was heard saying, All planes close up tight, we'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. That's standard as well. So, yeah. what the. I, I even think it's still today. So, mm-hmm. if you find as a squadron, if it's easier to find a group. Than it is to find a plane over there, hundred miles down there. there. Yeah, they all so go together. They yeah. all ditch. So if one ditches, <coughs> they all ditch. And, and if one sinks and one floats, you can all get on the one that's floating. And so, so the idea is that you all ditch together. So it sounds really weird. But no, it's a bigger, bigger thing to spot from the air. And if you're flying, you can go. I can see a group of people, and I can see one. I can yeah. see a group of planes on fire and sinking, and I can see one. one. So yeah. it sounds really bizarre that other planes go. Well, we're just going to ditch next to them. But, mm-hmm. but that is standard military practice. Well, it certainly was in 1945. I think it still is. Well, I don't think it is as much now because um, each plane has a transponder, a black box, each, yeah, yeah, yeah. each pilot has a GPS tracker on him. And but certainly then it's just like groups. And then it will group together and we can find you easier. Um, so yeah, that's the last I've got on that. I've gone to the PMB Mariner next. So. Well, there's a few things. So um, I've got a bit more of the trans... Not a huge amount more. But a bit more of the, of the back and forth, which kind of it, it paints the picture. Now, this is just the picture that the military have said, but Taylor was hopelessly lost. Yeah. And during the day before he started, um, he said he didn't want to go out. He did. Yeah. He said, Can I not do this run? 
And we're like, why? So I just, I just don't feel not it. Not feeling it. Not feeling it today. I don't yeah. really want to do it. And I'm like, no, just fucking get on your own. Dickhead, fucking get up. Just yeah. get on and do it. So he, he went and did it. So clearly, but some people were saying that. Now, I don't know if this is just character assassination for the sake of saving their own skin. They're saying he was a drunk. He it was, was on over, yeah. Yeah, and, was. He, and, he, and he wasn't. And like, you know, it clearly, it was 25 minutes late. He was still a bit hungover. He wasn't quite with it. Now, that could seem to be character assassination to save your own arms. You just lost five planes. You don't know where they've gone and you've lost all your whole squadron with it. Um, but, you know, there was that character assassination going on. Um, but, some of the history is, this wasn't the first time he's had to ditch a plane. Oh, go on. So, he was an experienced but not particularly talented pilot. I mean, he got, they're all at six hundred. He got over two thousand dollars, aren't he? And he'd been training other yeah, so he pilots. Yes, it was twenty-eight, but he was completely. He had lots of irresponsible blunders previously. So uh, during combat in the Pacific, Taylor had gotten lost twice before, and had to ditch both planes both times. Um, <laughs> That's the guy you want leading the squad. <laughs> um, and on this particular day, he showed up twenty-five minutes late, um, gave no explanation, asked if somebody else could take his place because he's like, I don't really want to do it. Request was denied, um, and he said. He didn't even bring a watch or basic navigation equipment with him on the flight. He just went, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll, I'll wing it. Sort of so there were no clocks in the planes, but he would assume they were not their own. Every man had his own watch on. And he didn't, so he didn't know how many minutes he'd been flying for. Or yeah, I mean, again, I don't know. That's exactly. character assassination, but he's a scapegoat in this now. Yeah, but it's supposedly factual that he ditched two planes before, but you don't know what was wrong with those planes. It could have been. He yeah. could have genuinely been fucked. You know? I mean, saying that I've ditched two planes before, then I've ditched a third one and we've never seen from again on our blind. It's like, well, Dark makes him out to be quite incompetent when, in fact, he's got over 2,000 flight hours. He's, it was, he came to this training mission from training other pilots, torpedo pilots. Um, where am I not serving on him? But the issue is, though, his students were telling him he's wrong. Let's yeah. just let's just fly west and we'll get home. It's like they were, they were telling him, but they still followed him to their death. I mean, says it, so. in my notes that I mentioned earlier, Taylor completed a combat tour in the Pacific Sea as a torpedo bomber pilot on the aircraft carrier USS Hancock, which uh, dipped two ships, uh, two planes. It recently arrived from Miami, where it also been a torpedo bombing plane instructor. Um, he had. Uh, he had about 2,500 flying hours, mostly in the aircraft of this type, while his training pilots had about 300 total hours, 60 hours in the Avenger. So he had 2,500 flying hours, a tour of duty, he'd been an instructor. It seems fairly competent. Um, and then you get this character assassination that makes me sound incompetent. So, which is it? Is he a drunk who's ditched two planes before? If he's a drunk who's ditched two planes before, you're going to send him to a fucking uh, to be a training instructor. No, I didn't listen to the radio transcript because I don't even know if it's available. It's, it's only available as a written transcript. Yeah. But the written transcript is relatively damning for me. He's got lost. He doesn't know where he is. He's not really listening. But the thing is, the thing that for me with the transcript is all the radio transmissions we've got from him are not to Fort Lauderdale to his flight his instructions to his students yeah Fort Lauderdale sending like radio in but he never acknowledges a message from Fort Lauderdale so those messages don't get through and the only one that gets 
the only like someone picks it up in the plane who's about to go out after him contacts the fucking control centre who pick up his fucking transmissions but he never acknowledges the transmission from Fort Lauderdale all the things all the transmissions we have recorded are him talking to his flight yes um, you, you're right and I don't think it's the full conversation from his flight I think it's sporadic the way they sound it sounds like sporadic radio yeah because Robert Cox overheard most of it didn't he Mm-hmm. Um, so you're telling me that you've been flying for 40 minutes in the wrong direction and you're not talking to each other on the radio it, it still it still <clears throat> baffles me a little bit that he'd be in Florida flying all the flying so often that he wouldn't he'd done this bombing once before that he wouldn't no he said he recently came from Miami is it Miami to Florida yeah but he was running an instructor school at Miami so he might not have flown out over the Bahamas oh, I suppose but the but the students knew where they were and I mean, listened to them. There's a second part to this conspiracy. And that's the, that's the other plane that went out to find them. That well, that's what we're going to go on to next. All right, yeah, well, yeah. let's get let's go on to that next then. So yeah. I was just going to see if you had anything more on. It's just it, it's just some of the worrying things he was saying on his radio. So when, just just to give a bit more context because you you covered pretty most pretty much most of it. But things like I said, I don't know where we are. We must have got lost after the last turn. Yeah, that's that's what they heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both my compasses are out. I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm overland, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down, and I don't know how to get to Fort See, Lauderdale. That's that's the only message he replied to. Right. Um, because, and uh, where are we here? I've got a box of my notes I've mentioned before. So, radio conversations between the pilots were over, overheard by the base and other aircraft in the area. The practice bombing operation is known to be in Canada, blah, blah. Um, 40 minutes later, Lieutenant Robert F. Cox in FT-74, who was forming up with his group of students for the same mission, received an unidentified transmission. An unidentified crew member asked Powers, one of the students, for his compass reading. Powers replied, I don't know where we are, we must have got lost after that last turn. Cox then transmitted, this is a T-74 plane boat, plane or boat calling Powers, please identify yourself so someone can help you. The response after a few months was a request from others in the flight for suggestions, so they still didn't respond to that. Yeah. So all the conversations were overheard. Well, do you know you were saying that Cox was new? Not Cox, Taylor was new to the area. Mm-hmm. I've got to hear that. Um, He'd been stationed in Miami for six months and knew the keys well. So this was even more of a, how have you got so disorientated? Like, you know the keys... I've yeah, I've just got here that um, <coughs> he'd recently arrived from Miami, NAS Miami, to NAS Fort Lauderdale. And I suppose six months is still recent. Where he'd also been a BTB instructor, so I suppose it's, six you, months is still recent. Yeah, if you start yeah. a new job, after six months, still classes as a newbie, right? Yeah, I suppose you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. But supposedly, for someone of his talent, I know he's 28, but done all these things, he should have recognised the keys, by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, at one point, it says there's broken lamp and I think it's the keys. Uh, but if you've not flown out that far out before, if you've got missed, you've got off track and you don't know where you are... Because you, you're saying that they didn't respond, but supposedly, Lieutenant Cox offered to come and meet Taylor, but he turned it down. That's the bit I'm getting to next. Oh, so, right, okay. I, I, won't, I won't speak to that then. Yeah, yeah, that's the PBM-5. Okay. 
So one of the planes in the flight thinks that if he went two seventy degrees, he could hit land, which is what you talk about. You got to get the sun in your wing, yeah, because which is what they're taught. Um, we're heading thirty degrees northeast for forty-five minutes, and we'll fly north to make sure we're not over the Gulf of Mexico. The base instructed Taylor to switch the radio to the search and rescue frequency, but he refused, and this was a big mistake. He said, I, well, wait, "No, but the transcript says I can't change frequencies. I need to keep my planes intact." That's what it says. Yeah, I cannot switch frequencies. I must keep my planes intact. Which so is a cryptic. My assumption there is, if you change frequency to this to this frequency, you can't communicate with your planes. That's my only discussion. Why couldn't Why couldn't you just order all his planes to change that frequency? Uh, maybe I don't know. But I'm assuming that it's a case of if I change frequencies now, I can't speak to all these guys who need to know what I'm doing and where I'm going. So if I change and I'm speaking to you guys, these guys don't know what's going on. Well, even you get everyone to change frequency to that one frequency. But this could just be another one of those things where it's, it's not yeah. thinking straight. Or you change frequency. I change frequency, talk to you at the control, and then change back to my flight, tell them what we're doing. Yeah. Right, I'm going to change control, I'm going to change over to that one. Um, yeah, so it's like how you're taking tact, you mean tact as I need to keep communication intact between all my planes, or intact as in my planes are going to get destroyed if I change frequency? No, I, personally, just, just thinking as I'm, as I'm talking, I just think if he's thinking about changing frequency, he just can't communicate. He's going to lose communication between his planes, which he's thinking, these guys are all new, they're following me, this moronic leader into the fucking depths yeah. of despair. Who thinks he's right, yeah. even though he's fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Anyway, I, I dish. I no, 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 no. Stepped on your toes, yeah. about to go to So, as it became obvious the flight was lost, airbases, aircraft, and merchant ships were alerted. A consolidated PBY Catalina departed after 1800 to search for Flight 19 and guide them back if they could be located. After dark, two Martin PBM Mariner flying boats, originally scheduled for their own training flights, were diverted to perform square pattern searches in the area west. It's 29 degrees north, 29 degrees west is where the last pinged them at. US Navy Squadron train number 49, PBM 5 Buno 59225, took off at 1927 from Naval Air Station Banana River, now Patrick Space Force Base. Called in a routine radio message at 1930 and was never heard from again. At 2115, the tanker SS Gaines Mills reported it had observed flames from an apparent explosion leaping a hundred foot high and burning for 10 minutes at position 28.59 degrees north, 80.25 degrees west. Captain Shona Stanley reported unsuccessfully search for survivors, though a pool of oil and aviation gasoline. The escort carrier USS Solomons also reported losing radar contact with an aircraft at the same position and time. Yes, yeah, so, so those, um, that plane that you mentioned yeah. there, was renowned for being a bit of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so it's carried so much gas it's renowned for being a, a, a bit of a mess and it's I know it's coincidental that you've got all these planes that have just fucking vanished and, stuff. and the one that goes to rescue them blows up <laughs> I mean <laughs> it does seem like a comedy of errors doesn't it I mean it's proper lower than hardy stuff in a really really bad way but, but the thing is while searching through this and let's get this I keep seeing reports of the PB5 talking to Taylor saying let me know where you are I'm coming to you and he says no don't come get me yeah yeah they're I... UFOs or something like that no, UFOs I've seen don't come and get me I've seen don't, don't come and get me they're UFOs I read it later on but I've not seen it in the official report Um. so what, what I'm sure I read something 
Right, I know where I am now. I'm at 2,300 feet. Don't come after me. Yeah. So, but that was still talking to Cox, not um, the other plane. Actually, this is where it gets complicated because some reports are that he's talking to the plane. Right. But that line's not in the official report that I read. Yes, he's still talking. To, he's still talking to Cox here. So Lieutenant Cox offered to come and meet him, and he turned it down. And he said, "I know where I am. I'm at two thousand three hundred feet. Don't come and get me. Don't come after me." So he said that to Cox. So I don't know what. So this is part of the official transcripts that I've that I've covered. Yeah, here. but that one in the official, official transcript that I had, but I've seen pop up in a few books. But that line being attributed to the P, to the PB five that blew up. That, that it was just, that was messaged him to say I'm I'm on the route where are you? And he said don't come get me. You also see it in some of the books where he says don't come get me. They're UFOs. Which where the fuck has that line come from all of a sudden? I mean this this is some of the wonderful things. So I mean well let's let's talk around this now because we, we kind of got to the point now. So I honestly don't know why this is even classed. Now, I mean, maybe we didn't know in 1975, 1945, mm-hmm. but knowing what we know now, I don't even know why this is classed as a Bermuda mystery. Because it was the first one, five planes went and we've never found the wreckage, we've never found... Yeah, but we've had MH38, or whatever it's called, we've just had one the last five years. Oh, MH371. Yeah, whatever it is, with the transponder. With I thought that could be a future episode, to be honest, MH371. And I'm sure we will. Mm-hmm. But we've had something with 21st century technology disappearing mm-hmm. we've not seen a fucking seat or even ever anything from it yeah I don't buy that I, I don't buy that at all in today's technology in today. I, you can track on my phone I can track any plane anywhere in the world on my phone well until certain places where radar can't pick it up because there's certain pla- there's radar black spots around the world yeah but but so. what I'm saying is like 21st in the 21st century now we're still missing big planes yeah. Things are things are disappearing, right? So, in with flight nineteen, having and, and there's loads of planes that were shut down at Second World War. We know whereabouts it was. We still can't find them. Even even if you've got vessels after them, you still don't yeah, know where yeah. they are. Even even if you pretty submarines, like big warships that you've blown up. You biggest know. fucking ship to ever sink, the Titanic. Well, probably not the biggest ship to ever sink, but oh, commercial ship. Commercial ship to ever sink. How many years it took us to find that? After it sank, seventy was it? So much stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's about seventy years to find it. So even though we knew whereabouts it was, it's still and flares and people even got all these. But people got rescued. But this is oh well, yeah yeah we got yeah, yeah. so um to, yes it's a, it, it's really really bad and five planes have gone missing but the sea's so vast that it doesn't surprise me that wreckage. Hasn't been found. Well, or, or maybe, maybe record just turned up where in, in unremote places, or well, I've got reasons why. Because we've got a full list here of, of um, ships that have gone missing and planes that have gone missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, to be fair, I don't think I could be asked going through to so take fucking forever. No, no, I, I, and I agree. But right. the, the, the flight nineteen scenario. I mean, I, I'm still. I'm. I read this with all the transcripts and gone. I'm not sure why this is why this is classed as a mystery anymore. Books books because um, people brought books out right so right so you said I mentioned UFO star so I was going to go on to hypothetical explanations to the triangle but I think I'm going to pull my crazy out early let's do keep flight 19 because my crazy is about flight 19 okay. right so 
You were saying, like, the, we mentioned the UFOs here, like, I don't know where they came from. <laughs> like, where did that UFO come into that line? Right? Um, so, we've got a guy here called Wes Bateman. Right. And uh, he wrote an article called The Finding of Flight 19. Okay. And it's on Thursday, July 29, 2010. Okay. I'll put the link in the description. But uh, So he says, The loss of Flight 19 on December 5th, 1945. Actually, no, World War II was over. So I thought it was August. This happened, but it was December 5th. So World War II was over by about a month. Just a month. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the loss of Flight 19 on December 5th, 1945 is a classic disappearance that took place in the Bermuda Triangle. It began with a routine training flight participated in by five Grumman Avenger torpedo bombers, also known as TBMS. The planes on the mission were designated Flight 19, their radar identification code was the letters FT. We're all being through this, yeah? Alright, uh, I'll try to jump through it. Uh, so, Apparently they were lost and the confusion continued for about an hour after which the radio signals grew weaker and weaker until they disappeared. The five planes and 14 men aboard them were then reported missing. During the hour of confusion, it is reported that the following radio conversation took place. Right? Um, and his friend goes, but so he writes that he responded to the tower. Okay. When the official report is the tower overhearing him talking to his flight. I did respond to Cox about don't find him. Go to 2,300 feet. Yeah, I didn't see that in mind. Right, okay. Alright, so, this is what he says, conversation between Lieutenant Taylor and Fort Lauderdale Tower was. So he says, Taylor, calling control tower, emergency, we seem to have gone off course, we can't see the ground anymore, I repeat, we can't see the ground. Another reporting source states that this transmission included this statement, we can't see the ground or the sun. This was another source that said that. Okay. Right. Tower, what is your position? Taylor, we are not certain of our position. We don't know exactly where we are. We seem to be lost. Tower, in that case, you must fly west. Taylor, we can't tell which is west. Nothing is working properly. It's nuts. We can't be sure of any directions. Even the sea looks funny. It then became more difficult to pick up messages from Flight 19. The aircraft progressively lost contact with the tower. But every now and again, snaps of conversation between the pilots were heard. They were discussing the possibility of running out of fuel of 75 knot winds of malfunctioning magnetic and gyro compasses. According to some reports, the last words heard from Flight 19 were, We're entering white water, we're completely lost. Robert Art Ford stated that another radio conversation took place between Flight Leader Taylor and fellow Navy pilot Lieutenant Ed Cox, who was in the air but not part of Flight 19. The conversation went as follows. Cox, what is your altitude? I will fly south to meet you. Taylor, don't come after me. They look like they're from outer space. Don't come after me. You can run the Kramer here, right? Doing the Randy Kramer shit on me. Um, not finished. I've got a lot more, yeah. But if you want to jump in, you can do. I'm just going to jump in now and yeah. say... Okay. I... Um, I always said, I and even the CIA, even in the last week, have said UFOs are real. Yeah. Right. And that we don't necessarily know what they are. We don't necessarily know who controls them. The CIA is reporting them. Well, week. the CIA said we don't know where they're from, who controls them, but we don't believe it to be any a threat. terrestrial power or, or a threat. 
Yeah, but they said yeah. there's not any any earthly power. Yeah. But they said it's not terrestrial power. So I, I, I've always believed that these the these things in our atmosphere that we can't control and that we see mm-hmm. on a constant basis, right? Um, and whether the terrestrial or, or, or extraterrestrial, it doesn't matter. They exist and, and people see them. Mm-hmm. Um, which means for me that if this transcript was an official transcript, where this officially went to Fort Lauderdale and Fort Lauderdale said, do you know what, we've, we've done a Freedom of Information Act release and this is what he said. He said, don't come after me, they'd run out there from outer space, don't you come after me. believe the pilot, right? Mm-hmm. But firstly, if I was a pilot and I saw and I saw a craft I didn't recognise, in, 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 mm-hmm. I wouldn't be saying at 9.45 that was like a spacecraft from outer space. I'd be, I see a craft I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. using the outer space scenario no. because if you're going, it's just the Russians, it's just the Nazis, what the fuck is that? Roswell yeah. wasn't until... 47. 47, so it's yeah. two years before Roswell. Two years before the outer space scenario. So yeah. I just don't believe the language. I just don't believe someone in the, I just don't believe someone in the, R- well, in the Air Force. You don't have language. to believe Wes Bateman reporting this. All oh, right, okay. Because the test of these and all of the radio transmissions from Flight 19 are on public record in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't find them. All right. Okay. <laughs> can you, can, did he send you a link? Is it no, 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 no link. It just says you can find them in national, they're in public record in National Archives in Washington, D.C. Have you tried searching really the National Archives website? It's not fucking easy. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. He could have said, here's the copy Here's where I found it. This is specifically paragraph, volume, yeah. etc. Yeah. One report states that Taylor was overheard to either turn over the command of the flight to another pilot in the formation. It doesn't sound like it. Because one of the things I'm here is saying, let's go west and they came back. He's clearly following... I'll turn over the flight during his plane. This is not clear. All right, but why would he... The only thing I could read is he could turn over his flight duties to his like, leader the formation overturned or a student is if his magnet his compasses aren't working but someone else's is they all supposedly it was only his that weren't working um, the other guys were like just go west we know where we are just just uh, you know, he'd from, from the narrative that we've seen here he came unprepared he didn't have the right equipment it was yeah. still a bit not i don't really feel like going out today yeah. just just jumped in didn't because remember gyroscopic North, North and True North are completely, completely different. different things. But you to, yeah. But you have to supposedly mm-hmm. still get your plane. Mm-hmm. You have to go. Let's configure this properly. If you just jumped in and gone, I've not checked this for two Fuck weeks. It, three weeks. Yeah, but it'll be alright. Yeah. Then you're like, well, oh shit, shit yeah. this, this isn't right. Um, but you're still trying to look at the. On one degree, of course, can be hundred miles in the wrong direction. Over time, it can. Yeah, course, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but it is also uh, so. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, so one report states that Taylor was overhead to either turn over the command of the flight to another pilot in the formation or turn over the flying duties of his plane. This is not clear which one he's said. Did that something in the back? Yeah. Okay. Alright. It is also reported that one of the Avenger pilots broke formation and took off on his own to find safe from more familiar skies. Yeah. The fact that the compasses and radios of all five planes malfunctioned at the same time there's no, I, don't, I, didn't, I, I didn't read anything to suggest that. He says the fact that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't read that. Yeah. But only we that Taylor said his did. Yeah. Nobody else said theirs did. 
But yeah, yeah. the fact, the fact, I didn't hear anything. That to the say. compasses and radios of all five players mouth, but there's no else other than Wes Bateman saying this. Yeah, but, uh, but there's no transcript to say that's true. I mean, I I heard that all five went out. I remember all five going out on that nineties program that I watched. Yeah, but. But from, from the transcript from the transcript there's nothing it's Taylor the says I have the myth said that all went yeah. out alright okay. uh, so uh, and that Lieutenant Taylor did not comply with the constant request that he switches radio to the emergency frequency adds to the mystery Fort Lauderdale sent a Martin Mariner a large amphibious craft to try and rescue the five men uh, the five Avengers there were 13 men aboard the Mariner one hour after takeoff the Mariner disappeared too the control tower tried in vain to contact its pilot what happened to the Martin Mariner it blew up. It blew up. With, oh, with reports of the wreckage. Yeah. And the oil skid. And, yeah. uh, a little after 7pm, the naval air station at Apoloco picked up an almost inaudible radio signal that continually repeated FT, FT, which was the call sign of Flight 19. Could this have been a communication from the Avengers? Nothing was found of the five Avengers or the Mariner in spite of the intensive search by 240 land-based aircraft. 70 aircraft from the aircraft carrier Solomons, 4 destroyers, 18 Coast Guard patrol boats, hundreds of private aircraft and yachts and boats of all sorts. Nothing was found, no inflatable rafts, not the least trace of oil, not a sign of wreckage. Avenger type aircraft are known to float from minutes to hours. Why were there no bodies, oil sticks or wreckage of any of the type found? Why didn't any of the men use their parachutes and light rafts? So, I can try and explain this I think. Mm -hmm. So. They're trained, if one goes down, you all crash together. Um, secondly, it's reported that people didn't even know where they really were. He was confused where he was. Yeah. So. They didn't want to look. Yeah, exactly. So, yet they may have been able to survive for a couple of hours floating. But well, it, over time, over a couple of hours, they're going to they're gonna sink. But if you don't, you're going, well, try to explain where he is. I don't really know. And the last ping they got from them was. They've gone for 15 miles in this area somewhere. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. really tough. And when people... And 1945 Search and Rescue isn't submarines. No. It's Search and Land. Yeah. So... I can and also, it's a bit disingenuous because he says and the Mariner went missing, no record of it, and the report shows explosions and aviation fuel and... Yeah, some sort of fireballs from the sky. So, so and aviation fuel on the surface of the water. Yeah. So, um, so yeah... During the search of December 6, 1945, a Navy privateer, which was a one-tailed version of the Army Air Corps T2, two-tailed B-24, also disappeared about the trace. A report published by the Navy after several months of inquiry offered no explanation for the disappearances. Now this is where we're getting to his work now. Let's set the scene. During the evening of August 16, 1985, I was engaged in assembling and combining videotape segments that contained accounts and pictures pertaining to the subject of UFOs. I combined three videotape segments which were 1. A series of computer enhancements and a, of a Swiss Air Force jet that had been photographed along with a UFO. Okay. 2. The account of the missing 5 TMB Avenger torpedo bombers and a Martin Mariner seaplane in the Bermuda Triangle. 3. UFOs UFO photographs and motion picture footage that was taken by American astronauts as they conducted missions in space. How do all these link together? And it, oh, go on. The videotape from which I was dubbing Segment 3, the Apollo missions, was several years old and had not been played recently. 
On several occasions during the dubbing process, the player deck misidentified the original recording speed of the tape. This caused the tape to slow down, distorting parts of the dub. To accomplish my work, I had to run the tape over and over again until the problem cleared up. During these numerous reruns, my attention was drawn to a picture of an odd-shaped UFO that was photographed by the crew of Apollo 11 on July 16, 1969, while they were en route to the first moon landing. Even though the shape of this UFO was irregular, it looked familiar to me. I knew I'd seen that shape before. I soon realised that I had, had in fact seen something similar to that shape only several minutes before, when I was dubbing the segment that contained the computer analysis pictures of a UFO and a Swiss Air Force jet. I then ran off a black and white photo of the Apollo 11 UFO on my video printer. After rotating the video print from the vertical to the horizontal, I concluded that the UFO had been the shape of an aeroplane that was either encased in ice or some other material. Following the contour of the UFO from nose to tail, I noted the familiar blunt nose and the long canopy that covered the two-seat cockpit, the bubble of the ray gun turret, and the high tail of the German TBM Avenger torpedo bomber. Returning to the segment that pertained to the missing plane, Flight 19, Don't do it. I made a video photo of an Avenger for comparison with the Apollo UFO. This comparison left me in little doubt that the Apollo 11 UFO was the remains of a Grumman Avenger and most likely one of the five that once composed Flight 19. In studying the Apollo UFO, two things about the shape of the object bothered me. One, the tail looked a little, close to, little too close to the rear gun turret. And two, there were two small arc-like indentations in the bottom of the object just below the position of the cockpit. Both of these questions were answered by a friend of mine who one time flew this type of plane when drumming Borat on forest fires. There are two possible answers for this tail appearing to be too close to the rear turret. One, the angle from which the astronauts took the picture may have somewhat distorted the true perspective. And second possibility, the one that I presently favour, is that the fuselage is bent at an angle due to the tail section hitting the waters of the Atlantic in what my friend called a boomerang crash. From personal knowledge, he said that it was common for an, or for an Avenger to crash into the sea to end up with a bent rear fuselage. My friend then answered the question of the existing arc-like indentations in the belly of the plane, slash UFO. His answer was simple. The indentations represent either the collapsed torpedo bombing doors or their absence. The silhouette or scale model TBM was superimposed over a slight projection of the Apollo UFO finding and, that, and found that all features fit exactly. The Apollo 11 UFO photo was taken when the spacecraft was only one day out en route to the moon. I have not ascertained what distance Apollo 11 was from the Earth when the photo was taken. I think it's there of discussion so it was 6,000 miles above the Earth when Apollo took it. Okay. One thing is quite certain. The Avenger in the astronaut's photo did not and could not attain orbital velocity and insert itself into any orbit, let alone an orbit that range far out into space. This of course means that something natural, supernatural or man-made that had these physical abilities in 1945 places at least one of the missing five planes into an Earth orbit. One explanation is that some freak natural force such as a giant tornado like Vortex sucked up the Avengers and accelerated them to a speed in excess of 18,000 miles an hour, gravitational escape velocity. Another explanation is that some power source planted by some sort of intelligence went into action either by plan or by chance. Both are somewhat discredited by the communications of Lieutenant Turner and Lieutenant Cox. Don't come after me, they look like they're from outer space. Don't come after me. From Lieutenant Turner's words, we can conclude that he might have been encountering at the time more than one something, thus the plural terms they and there in his communication. Then again, he may have had sight of one thing that he thought contained a number of occupants who were, in his opinion, were demonstrating something he was not sure, uh, he was sure was not from this world. It's reported that the planes were armed and their mission actually entailed dropping explosives into the sea. 
If this is true, this activity might have triggered the fate of the airmen involved. Perhaps, in the course of their bombing, they accidentally hit and damaged a submerged alien spacecraft. Or maybe they had actually been sent on a mission to target the spacecraft. If the latter is true, you can bet the Navy will never admit it. Let's for a moment imagine that the Avengers were either deliberately or accidentally drawn into a force field that relates to a field-driven propulsion system of the damaged extraterrestrial spacecraft. Such a field-driven system might have some active electromagnetic components and gravitational effects, which in turn would account for the malfunction of the magnetic and gyro compasses of the Avengers, causing Lieutenant Taylor to say we can't tell which is west, nothing is working properly, it's nuts, we can't be sure of any direction, even the sea looks funny. It's safe to speculate that at least one of the four Avengers, or five, count the one that reportedly left the flight formation, were drawn into the vortex of a spacecraft propulsion system, as birds are sometimes drawn into jet engines. After that, maybe other things, such as large volumes of foaming seawater, were also drawn to the spacecraft field drive, causing Lieutenant Taylor to transmit the statement, we are entering white water, we are completely lost. It is possible that Lieutenant Taylor did not comply with the request to switch his radio to the emergency frequency, but perhaps radio waves of that frequency could not escape the confines of the spacecraft field drive. At this point, we can imagine the extraterrestrial spacecraft accelerating to space, even ignorance of, or with full knowledge that they were dragging with them, one or more of the five Avengers plus large amounts of seawater. Can we stop? Because this is just... <laughs> You don't need to read anymore. <laughs> there, is, there is a lot of it, but I'll leave it there. I'll put the link to this in the description. But you can quite clearly see there. Now, put the picture on screen now. There's a picture that Apollo 11 took in 1969, Craig. And you can quite clearly see the Avenger aeroplane facing nose down in orbit above the Earth. You can, you can see that. Look, it's quite clearly there. You can see it. It looks like a quaver. It, 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 it's an Avenger aircraft. It's one of Flight 19. We always say on this show, give us evidence. There's evidence. It's on screen right now for the people at home. It looks like a moustache. <laughs> I mean, you can see it's... It, and it goes in, look, it shows you the shape of the plane. Um, but the other picture on this one, or what the one I read of is, goes on for a fair bit. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no, I don't have a picture on here. Um, it does finish off the article with Wes Bateman is a telepath with direct open contact to ETs from the open state who are not subject to Earth, mankind's frequency barrier caused closed brain and limited consciousness. Bateman has 30 years of ongoing information on the open state. You are Randy Kramer in the world. <laughs> I'm going to keep my shit together better than I did with Randy Kramer. But that is the only evidence I could find of any of the Flight 19 planes being found. And one of them's in orbit 6,000 miles above the Earth. It's, it's a good find. <laughs> did you have to go dark work for that shit? <laughs> Not far off, to be honest. I mean, I first found that. I found a better site just so I could put the link in here. But the first one I saw on the site was a 1995 black neon green, uh, black background neon green text website where the images were made up of dashes. <laughs> Don't know how that site's still alive from 95, but it's there. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. Um...
the pitch is nonsense um, <laughs> to start with and the, the, the leaps the unbelievable leaps that are required um, <laughs> um, such an ascent must have been quite rapid and by the time spacecraft reached out of space the Avenger pilots would be dead entombed in their planes now sheathed in frozen seawater Upon reaching out of space, the Avengers, now having acquired a velocity that would permit them to orbit the Earth, would either jettison by the spacecraft or released automatically when the spacecraft changed its propulsion field for the purpose of space travel. In either case, Avengers could have been dropped off at intervals that might not separate them in the same orbit or in successfully higher orbits by thousands of miles. When the question of why the extraterrestrials would do such things is considered, many thoughts come to my mind. One, their actions might represent a disregard for the lives of what they might consider to be a lower life form. But why would you just go, I'm going to take some of those random planes and throw them in space? No, he's saying they got bombed and went, fuck with me, bomb, get out, boom, and just took off and didn't realise they dragged them with them. So either one, we can't go because we're going to take them with us, fuck them, they're apes, why do we care? Or two, their encounter and involvement with Flight, Ni- Flight 19 might have been an accident caused by a malfunction of their propulsion system, or by damage to the system sustained from bombs dropped unknowingly or deliberately by the Avengers on the spaceships lying submerged in the sea. If the Avengers did not practice live bombing runs that day, perhaps their practice attack dive could have been interpreted by the extraterrestrials as a real threat. Okay. <laughs> so it is going either they were sent by the Navy on a secret mission to bomb this submerged alien craft, in which case the crafts took off and went, fuck this, we're out of here. But, but some damage has been caused by the bombs and it's dragged them into their... They've got anti-gravity fields, so it's dragged the ships in the planes into it, and they've just dragged them into space. I'm not sure how that works, but okay. Um, or they've damaged them, and the aliens have gone. We're going to drag these planes. Let's fuck them. The dirty apes. What do we care? Fucking stupid. Was uh, what? So I'm going to play. With you. I'm going to play along. <laughs> I'm going to play along. I knew it was a good crazy. It's not Randy Kramer level crazy, but it's good crazy. I'm going to play along. Um, witnesses, radar, evidence of any kind that suggests a UFO at the point of these occurring was seen. It's covered that already. It says here at the beginning. Um, perhaps in the course of their bombing, they accidentally hit and damaged a submerged alien spacecraft. Or, maybe they'd actually been sent on a mission to target the spacecraft. If the latter is true, you can bet the Navy will never admit it. So, so if, the Navy, if the Navy sent them out there to bomb that, of course they're not going to admit it. And by, by, If they're gonna, not going to admit it, they're going to cover it up. They can't release the radar footage of it being captured or radio conversations of no, someone spotting all it. All that, that paragraph says, maybe this happened. And maybe, maybe that happened. happened. <laughs> That's not even close to being honest. <laughs> you know, maybe if I'd have paid more attention in school, I could be angsty. <laughs> you know. Oh, it, do. it does go on to say that uh, it thinks the Martin Mariner and the privateer became lost for different, unrelated reasons. Because the alternative implies that they were deliberately destroyed or captured by the extraterrestrials out of revenge. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite glad we talked about alternative theories. Flight 19 we talked about because it's the main one for a long time. Um, quite frankly, thank you for trying to drag me into this fucking batshit crazy realm of UFOs and USOs and planes flying around 
from 1969 filmed it. Can I just get one more bit from this? Oh, okay. Returning to the subject of the Apollo 11 UFO, the photograph indicates that the plane might have boomerang crashed into the sea, thus bending its fuselage at an angle. This could be the only plane of Flight 19 that is in orbit. It could very well be the plane that left the formation. In this possible scenario, four of the Avengers and their crews were taken aboard the extraterrestrial spacecraft intact, and the fifth plane and its crew were fished from the sea. Later, the plane, later the plane and maybe its crew were abandoned in orbit. And it goes on to say that um, it's hopeful to think that all the men of Flight 19 are now alive and well on some distant world, learning all they can about the culture and technology of their extraterrestrial hosts. Someday, they might return in the manner depicted in the motion picture Close Encounter of the Third Kind and tell exactly us what really that. happened on that day some 40 years ago. Exactly, <laughs> it sounds exactly like Close Encounter of the Third Kind, where you've got all those people in the desert singing, oh, and then... They, they, they look at the plane it's like this is the plane from 1947 well it's a flight 19 yeah. appears in the desert yeah so I was going to say he, he's speaking exactly <laughs> close to the stick. I run a plane but I only watched that day before yesterday <laughs> did you? so it's one of my favourite of the movies I love it it's a fantastic film I've got it in 4k watched it love it um, so you can tell why the Bermuda Triangle mythology goes into all sorts of different... Because you've got people like this going, what, aliens? Yeah. I'm surprised no one's gone Bigfoot yet, but you know... Um, well, this this is... I threw that in there. I threw the crazy in early just because it's... Because we're talking about Flight 19. And um, Flight 19 really is the pivot. But, yeah. quite frankly, I know that the book might have been written in the past which caused the Bermuda Triangle for all. Mm-hmm. But the things we've seen since, it just seems like a guy's got lost. Took his yeah. with him, and it's not uncommon that the, the oceans are so vast. In, it's got, not uncommon that planes disappear. I've got a lot there that I really can't remember going through because there's that many of them, but some of them are like this rich guy went missing and never seen again in his yacht. 2015. Yeah, and it's like it's human stubbornness. It just he got told to, have, oh no, you have to go around this way because there's a hurricane and high seas, been massive tropical storm, and he went, fuck that, I'm going through it, and um, we're never seen again. I mean, you know, it's yeah. That is not aliens. It's not paranormal. That is a dickhead rich guy on a yacht going. Ah, this shot's amazing. It'll surf through this storm. Yeah. So uh, I don't just want to have flight nineteen as the only thing we're talking mm, about the mm-hmm. because it's the most important one. Without a shadow of a doubt, right? Um, the others have got bits on. Yeah. Probably. Well, well, give us some more then. Give us I'd some say, more. I'd say let's give. I can. I could probably rattle through five or six in half an hour. Yeah, we'll go for it then. Go on. Okay. But before we do, should we, should we just finish Flight 19? Mm-hmm. So, this being the pivot of where the first book came out, and maybe they didn't have all the evidence, all the transcripts, all the discussions at the time when it was written, yeah. we're given, we'll, we'll say we're given the benefit of the doubt that they've gone for a flight of fancy based upon what I, well, based upon all the scenarios. I, I think it's small things. Going back to what we said at the beginning, when we saw it on TV mm-hmm. and we had no way to research or follow up so what we were told was that you believe TV because yeah. they can't lie TV can't lie even though it did we found out later it fucking did constantly oh, right but in our innocent state TV I don't lie have sex relations <laughs> with that woman <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah but you know it's like we. but in our innocent age we thought TV didn't lie so oh, we yeah. got told yeah. so and I think it's a case of like Chinese whispers in that Taylor's compass stopped working. 
and as someone tells that story to someone else and they talk to someone else it becomes all five compasses on the all five planes compasses stop working yeah oh that's weird it's dodgy what could that be for and then it, it one more oh, thing yeah, changes yeah, of course, of course. and then it becomes you know it becomes don't come after me there you they're from outer space gets added to it and then it becomes this big mythology that starts the Bermuda Triangle. With no way to fact check. Yeah, with no way to fact check it. So but now we can. Mm-hmm. But at that point, there was no way to fact check. So, given the benefit of the doubt at the well, time. Before I, I researched this, I was under the impression that it was all five planes went out. So I always thought they'd flown over some magnetic anomaly, anomaly or something like that. Yeah, which could still be true. Which could still be, but. There's nothing in my research apart from the UFO or the fucking money shysters that say all five went out. The official reports and, and other reports don't say all five went just out. Taylor. Just, just Taylor's went out and, he ref- and they're following their commanding officer. And he refused to waver from, this is true, this is my truth. And yeah, I'm, I'm the commanding officer here, you're the student, you follow me. And yeah. even though they knew we were wrong, well, one of them reportedly fucked off, but that's not in the official report either. But someone still said, let's um, go west, damn it. Yeah, let's you know, go west, damn it. And yeah. it's like, nope, nope, I'm out doing this. And you follow your commanding officer, even to your death. But growing up, it was always all five went out. It wasn't all this week researching this, that only his went out. And that's what I'm trying to get. That I never questioned that. I never had any way to question it. But if I thought that for 30 odd years. I don't think you thought it. I think. I've been told it. Uh, well, and that's... the thing is, though, do, do you know what it is? Like, and and I'm guilty of this. Someone gives you an incredible story, and you want to believe it, and yeah. you know if you actually look under the bonnet, that incredible story. Well, no, but this is what I'm saying. When I, I saw that on TV, it were all five went out and they disappeared, and it was like yeah, when you were a kid. Yeah, okay, now I saw it, and then it's like, well, I've no way of looking under the bonnet. And then when I'm older. I'm not 20 is a day, we've got the internet now, and it's like, no reason to, it's never popped in my head to go back and research it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's just accepting facts. Apart and from it s- wasn't to like, how many people watching this have gone out and researched the Bermuda Triangle like we have this week? Uh, how many times in your life since you watched that documentary have you gone out and researched Bermuda Triangle like we have this week? Do you know what? I, I haven't, but there's part of me going, I think there's, there's, there's an unconscious thing going don't because you're gonna break the spell. Yeah, there is a bit like it's, it's like the, I I there's so many little conspiracies where I just want them to be true. It's that thing of like don't you don't want to find out how the sausage is made. Uh, that it, kind of thing. Know. As I know, but you know what I mean. Oh, it's, don't meet your hero. Oh, yeah, no, don't meet your hero stuff like that. Cause... It, but but yeah, but you know, I, as I said, giving giving them the benefit of the doubt that. They believe, but I, I think I don't think this is why Flight Nineteen is the biggest one. But one hundred percent, right? Is, the only reason it is is that Chinese whispers type thing that has led it from being we don't know where they went or what happened. Like this dick had got lost, crashed, and we don't know where they've gone. We've not found the wreckage. Yeah. So essentially, that's the whole story. And it's right? military. They've got the best technology. Yeah, what what did they have on those planes? What were they testing yeah. new flight drive? Were they testing this or were they meeting aliens? Or were they doing this? Yeah. With the, right? And it's just and it's kind of gone and gone and it's built into this mythology. And where we've got now, you know, this week we've got the CIA saying, oh, the, the American military going, yeah, we've got UFOs and we don't know what they are or where they're from, but we're pretty sure no one on earth has this technology. Basically, going the fucking alien. Well, right. we don't know who controls them, but, but they're not. 
We don't, we don't, we don't see them as a threat, they said. Yeah, well, they said we don't think anyone on Earth has this technology either. Yeah, true. Right? Um, so, more or less said they're aliens without saying they're aliens. Um, but back in 45, 50s, it was like, oh, we want to know what happened here. And they're just like, fuck off. <laughs> but I want to know what happened. Not keep wanting, you, mate. Keep not, fucking wanting. You not know. telling you. Once till 2000s, we got the Freedom of Information Act. Hmm? Yeah. Bush, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It's like, once till 2000s, we got the Freedom of Information So before that, government's just like, nah, this is our story. We don't believe it. We don't give a fuck. So, <laughs> but, the whole... so, but that allowed this vacuum of, of knowledge allowed this it was aliens it was ufos it was yeah and and, and, and people's imaginations ran mental and they'd write a good story and this book would fucking fly off its shelves so some other chance would come along and write something else and just make some shit up it was ufos and then oh, fucking hell it was ufos because you'd know what else to get the information from six months later another book comes out it was atlantis well let's not get there you yet. know uh, but you know it's a little stuff like it's magnetic interference it's a magnetic anomaly in the foot so because there was, I think what I'm trying to get is because there was no response from the military about what happened, it left this void of facts which people were then free to fill in with flights of fancy. Yeah. And that's why Flight 19 became the big one. And without that, all these others that have gone missing, I don't think it'd have been that big a thing. All right, so I've kind of made my point there. Do you want to cover some more yeah. can of I the just, disappearances? Can I just fin- uh, do you want to give me a final thought on Flight 19? Because this is the the pivot of the whole mm-hmm. thing, which all the books are based upon. Um, and I tried to get to the point, I think, but in a roundabout way. Now, 2021, looking at the evidence, it's for me, it doesn't seem a mystery anymore. No. It doesn't seem to... like If this is the granddaddy... Of all the scenarios that started the whole mythology of um, uh, of the Bermuda Triangle, or the Devil's Triangle. It's, it's that thing like the foundations are flawed, so the house is coming down. It's shaking. Yeah. Out. It's immediately shaking. Because, for me, I, I especially when we look at flight MH8, something like that. MH371. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, 370. It was MH370. And we still can't find that plane with today's technology after watching it. Um, and we're talking 1945, where you don't have, we didn't have... The underwater capability for search mm-hmm. and rescue. It doesn't surprise me that we've got all these wreckages that we can't see. Um, and this one for me now, I'm looking at this going, it just seems like a really sad story. Someone's got lost. and Yeah, I kind of want to... I don't want to buy into the... To, it was drunk, hung over, feeling rough. I don't believe... Um, I, I'm not necessarily believing that. but Because that, that feels like a bit of characterisation. It's like, oh, he was, was incompetent when his record before that. But his transcript has suggested. But to me. his transcript just says he was fucking lost. He refused to accept. Like I, I'm a superior officer. Could I know ego. better. Yeah. It's a bit egotistical. A bit fucking. I'm right. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right. And yeah, just sounds like we're a knobhead. Like the drunk bit don't really matter to me because he was drunk and rough. And that sounds like a bit of character assassination after the fact, if I'm honest. But yeah. even if you take the, he was drunk out of it. He was just incompetent. Human error. Yeah, human error. Yeah. Um, and I think based upon the fact that they started talking about the Bermuda Triangle, started bringing up historical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try to rattle through some quick ones. Uh, some of the other famous ones was the USS Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Um, so this occurred on March 4th, 1918, um, where the USS Cyclops disappeared without a trace. 
And it had a crew of 309 people. I've got 306 crew and passengers en route to Baltimore, Maryland. Is it 306? I've got 309. Either way. Okay, it's, it's in the margin three, of error. Yeah. Circa 300, 300 or so. Um, the ship was given... So, originally, it wasn't ferrying the cargo it, it disappeared with. So, this is the thing. So, originally, it was a warship or, or in the war. And after the war, they started using... They started asking it to transport... Uh, heavy loads of metallic ore, similar to what was um, to it's got had other ships as well. But it was asking to look at all this ore and stuff that was shipping around. Yeah. Now, what was seen is the Cyclops is specifically looked by the, by the Navy to ferry tons of coal across the oceans, refueling naval steam vessels mid voyage. Um, and it was, and this time it was transporting 10,000 tons of manganese from Barbados. To the steelworks in Baltimore. I've got a ten sorry to button. Ten thousand eight hundred long tons, which equates to eleven thousand tons. Okay. So I think two thousand eight hundred long tons is how it's distributed on the okay. ship for its buoyancy. But if you had that on land it'd actually be eleven tons on land. Right, okay. Yeah. But um So so it, it left Jamaica. So what had happened is before it left uh, Jamaica where it was um stationed at um it filled that there was some documentation for detailing several issues with the cargo ship it mm-hmm. said uh, they, they came to light after a bit of an investigation it disappeared an investigation occurred it said that the logbook showed that the cyclops was suffering from engine failure and was not used to carrying such heavy loads it was it was never used for carrying such heavy loads yeah before. i mean some of the things i've i've read was um it could carry that amount of weight but the car got the magnet uh, it could carry 11,000 tons of coal regularly it did regularly but because it was carrying mag- manganese yeah um it's a lot denser so it shouldn't be carrying as much weight as it okay because the density of the ore creates some kind of problem with the buoyancy is one of the theories that i read all right okay I don't uh, know if that's true or not. It's just I don't fuck all about boats, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the things that I read was it could carry two thousand eight hundred long tons of coal yeah. and be fine, but because it was carrying this manganese, it's a denser ore, so it shouldn't have been carrying as much of it. Okay, okay. Because it affects the buoyancy of the ship and how it floats and shit. Yeah, because if it's all in a certain area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, uh, so, it, but also, it was only meant to be running on one of two engines. Instead of so it didn't have quite have the the, the pulling power, power. yeah, yeah. Couldn't pull um, it, yeah. Also, that um, the waters were quite unforgiving at the time as well. So it's trying not only is it trying to pull a real big weight, the waters were really really heavy at the time, um, and it would have been quite scary to be trying to go yeah, I mean, backwards or forwards. Originally, it was thought to be captured or sunk by a German raider or submarine. That's right, yeah. Um, but after the investigation, um, the investigator came to the end that it, um, was it the official line is probably sank in an unexpected storm, but the ultimate cause of the ship's loss is not known. Yeah, they've never found it. They don't know. But the, the, you get squalls and stuff at sea all the time and be calming yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so of if you're running on one engine, your buoyancy is fucked, so your ship's not reacting as it should do because it's denser cargo and it's a bit 
maybe it's a bit bomb heavy I don't know yeah so it's not reacting like it should you've only got one engine so you don't have the pulling power that it's supposed to then you get hit by a fucking squall or an unexpected storm and just yeah you're over you're gone like, you think a big wave hits you and it's like oh it's alright this ship's designed to take them that wave hits you but that dense cargo pulls you over and now you've gone down and, and we're in 1918. We don't have yeah. a weather channel. No, you know, no. You know like, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you, you can kind of, you hope you can predict based upon education about what the weather might like. But as soon as you get out there, it's like, fuck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is just a case of a uh, uh, multitude of things. So it's one engine, which means they can't cut through the storm like they normally would. Or the ship's not going as fast as it normally would because they're dense. Uh, yeah. Um, but they've only got one engine, so they can't go as fast as they normally do. Then you've got the dense material on board, the denser cargo. Unexpected storm, a big wave hits, like that, like a fucking 30 foot wave hits. We can, we can cope with these, it's fine, I know this ship, she, she takes it all time. But it hits and it, and it rocks and it comes back and it goes, it rocks, comes back. But you've got this denser cargo on, so it rocks, but it doesn't come back, it just goes over and now it's under, well, down the, at the bottom of David Jones' locker and gone, <laughs> you know. The, the irony is it had several sister ships. Mm-hmm. Who all met the same fate. But won't be all fairly manganese? Uh, well, you had the Proteus. So it said it was sold in 8th of March 1941, became part of the Canadian Merchant Navy. It was lost at sea without a trace. Um, somewhere near the Caribbean. And that was on the 20th of November 1941. And then the Nereus, which also sold to Canada, um, but also was carrying bauxite ore, which is made from the Canadian aluminium. So, We've got all we've got these ships which are meant for ferrying coal. They give it different things to ferry. Not ferry metals. And then it's it. The so the Proteus and Nereus didn't did. I I wonder if there's summer in. Um, the climate as well. Okay. So if this ship's supposed to operate around fucking Europe and America and whatnot, and then it goes down to the Bahamas, it start. Um, wilder weather you get more temperate storm, more t- tropical storms and hurricanes down there than you do up, up in Canada and it's Canada colder so you when you go down to the Bahamas is your planks coming apart on the boat are they expanding in the heat or you know what I mean I wonder if the temperature's causing a difference or oh, just wear and tear yeah it's, it's, it's been sold it used to be in the Navy now it's been sold because it's done it's, and by service the, yeah and by the time you know you get to you get to like the Protestant and Nereus, you know this is 40 35 years after Lovell you know yeah. it's just general wear and tear and would they really been serviced would they been looked after so you see those guys with like 40 50 odd vintage cars at like village fairs and stuff and community fairs and it's like there is a gorgeous 50 year ca- 50 year old cars that they spent 10 years restoring they don't drive them because they're fucked <laughs> But they restore them to look nice and bring them to like showrooms and what and, and events. But they don't drive them. Like, oh, I, don't, I remember driving that. Remember, how's it feel like to drive now? I don't fucking know, man. I've had this ten years. I've never drove it. They don't dead. fucking drive. It don't drive. You know, yeah. I spent ten years fixing it. I'll take it out for a two minute trip to the shops. Maybe another fucking ten year fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the Cyclops is one of those other ones that said, you know, uh, when they look back at history, they're more like, also that disappeared. But we saw it. Yeah. But when you look at what they actually used it for, and it's sister ships, it's like, well, it's sister ships didn't collapse in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, they were used for things outside of its purpose. Just like that was. Because of Cyclops. And there's so many great explanations about why it could have, why it could have sunk that it doesn't necessarily need to be UFOs or 
or anything like that at all. But like I say, UFOs only come in from this vacuum of information. It's like there's no information from the government on what happened to Flight 19 or, or to this ship. So people fill in the blanks with flights of fancy. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we get the Bermuda Triangle mythology from. I mean, um, have you got any more or shall we go to explanations for the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, I do have a few. Well, I have, I have plenty more. But I've I'm got plenty more, but none I can pick, see. I'm going to pick and choose. I mean, I've got um, one on land. I've got one instant on land in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, okay. Which was 1969, the Great Isaac Lighthouse, uh, Benini in the Bahamas. Okay. Two keepers disappeared and were never found. Jumped off a cliff? No, the bodies were never found. So? Right. And uh, yeah, just two lighthouse keepers, left without trace, vanished, disappeared, never to be found. But a hurricane did pass through the lighthouse at the time of the disappearance. Hmm. I wonder how that might have happened. So it's obviously an alien abduction. Of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that sounds to me very simple. That's not even a fucking question. Yeah, I mean. So I've got a few, I've got I have more, but I'm going to pick and choose. Yeah, go okay. on then. So we've got the uh, Star Tiger and Star Aerial. Um, the Star Tiger was an aircraft ordered by the British American Airways BSA, BSAA. Um, and what happened is on the 28th of January 1948, Star Tiger started from Lisbon on its first leg to Santa Maria in the Azores, and it was supposed to be a short haul for refuelling, but due to bad weather conditions and strong winds, um, Captain McMillan decided they would need to fly to Bermuda the next day. Mm -hmm. um, on the 29th of January, the flight took off from Santa Maria, despite strong winds, mm -hmm. and there were 25 passengers on board. Uh, one was a distinguished guy called Air Marshal Sir Arthur Cunningham, a World War II hero, and the captain decided to fly at an exceptionally low altitude of 2,000 feet, which is very, very low, in order to uh, avoid the strong headwind. Uh, at 3.15am, when passengers were sleeping or dozing, the radio operator of the flight pressed a button to get position of the plane for the Bermuda's radio operator. The operator responded, giving the position of the plane at 72 degrees, and on receiving the message, the Captain McMillan and the flight operator agreed the estimated time to arrive at Bermuda would be 5am. They said, where am I? Because you're going to get here at 5. Mm -hmm. um, at 3.50, they tried to Talked to the, talk to the plane, uh -huh. got no response. And at four forty, when it was almost time for them to arrive, didn't get a response. Um, they, at five a.m., when they were supposed to land, the plane simply didn't arrive. <coughs> there was a huge rescue uh, rescue rescue operation <laughs> by the uh, by the Air Force USAF. Uh, Twenty six aircraft flying for eight hundred eighty two hours. That's a fair rescue account. Yeah, is that? But they I'm assuming that's 882 combined hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, over five days. So we had 26 yeah. aircraft, 882 combined hours over five days trying to find this plane. Couldn't find it. Um, so they found no trace. Um, then the uh, New York Times shared Cunningham death. Um, which also coincided with Mahatma Gandhi's assassination. Mm -hmm. um, so the this was another flight that just disappeared over whilst around the, the, the Devil's Triangle 
uh, couldn't be found under, uh, anywhere. So the, the question was, so, so what happened? So was it, did they run out of fuel? Unlikely. Unlikely they run out of fuel. Engine failure. Um, you could easily fly with two of the three engines comfortably. Yeah. If, if one went down, you could still down, comfortably yeah. fly. The fact that two going down or three going down is highly improbable. Yeah. Right. Um, structural failure, is it likely? Very unlikely mm -hmm. for this type of plane. There was no distress calls made. Um, so, so the only other potential possibility is aliens. Well, yeah, aliens, of course, yeah, they're completely <laughs> right. Um, they were flying at 2,000 feet, mm -hmm. which is really low. The planes used to find flying at 20,000 feet. So, so it's 10 times lower. Yeah. Um, which means that potentially you. One of the only explanations could be is you purposefully just gone down to 2,000 feet. You normally fly it. You've flown this plane 100 times, 20,000 feet, 20,000 feet. You get to this automatistic state. You've had to go to 2,000 feet and you simply forgot. The plane reacts differently because the air is thicker, the atmosphere is thicker, the dark, air resistance. You can't yeah. see what's going on. You've is dropped it, a little bit lower and boom, you've hit the fucking water. Is it a case that you just, you just try to get on a ship at 2,000 feet? You can't see anything, it's pitch black mm -hmm. and you've hit the sea. No one really knows the answer because there was nothing. There was no, because there was no mayday uh -huh. of any kind, which means that I've lost, it's like, because you're so low to the water already, is it simply a case of, oh shit, you just lost control? Well, I think this, these are the ones that kind of spark the myth. Um, so I've got one here um, that's quite similar to that, where it's just disappeared and no one knows why. Right. So um, in 1967, December 22nd, 1967, Miami hotel owner and yachtsman Dan Burak set out on his cabin cruise of witchcraft with a priest named Patrick Horgan. What a name, that is for a boat. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. I don't like the fact you took a priest on a boat named Witchcraft. <laughs> the irony. No, um, so yeah, there's Dan Burak, uh, this hotel owner, Dan Burak, and a priest named Patrick Horgan. The ship was taken one mile off the Miami coastline, so Barack and Horgan could view the Christmas lights visible from the shore. So it's not even far now, it's only one mile out from Miami. Basically got all, all the bays lit up, let's fucking go out a mile. And we can see all of it, it'd be cool, let's have a drink and... I don't know, priests probably got fitted because that's what priests do. Um, it's true. <laughs> but um, that night, Barack radioed a distress call to the Coast Guard, informing them that the boat's propeller had struck something underwater and that the vessel would need to be towed in. The Coast Guard requested that he send up a flare in roughly 20 minutes so the boat could be more easily located. Um, the official who received the call reported in late and noted that Barack did not seem too concerned about the witchcraft, a boat that Barack had fitted with a special flotation device in its hull. Okay. So he's like, oh, we've hit something, we can't get back. Right? I'll float. <clears throat> we'll float, I'll, I'll, I'll pick this fucker out, don't worry about it. Um, pick my right. When the Coast Guard arrived at the location for which Barack called, he, Horgan and the witchcraft were nowhere to be found. Over the following days a search was conducted over hundreds of square miles of ocean, but the boat and its passengers were not able to be located. So we're recognising the ocean's a bitch. <laughs> it just, but it's only a mile off the coast. And um, just vanished, just gone. Okay. However. But like I said, no distress call sent as such. It, it did send a distress call and went, 
yeah, we've hit some. The fellas hit someone underwater. Uh, we're going to need to be towed in. And I, oh, you okay? Yeah, oh, I've got this fucking special flotation device on this bad boy. Don't worry about it. But we'll be fine. And then when we've got out there, it's, it's never to be seen again. Aliens. You've talked about this already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't think aliens were this one. I was thinking, what were the... Uh, sea monster? Not Rupert Murdoch. The other guy that... Oh, uh, Maxwell. Yeah, Robert Maxwell, who uh, fell off the side of a boat and then discovered, when he discovered that all his businesses in England had fucked everyone's pensions over. Yeah. He's not living in fucking Monaco or Rwanda or fucking Bahamas or something, is it? Well, he's probably dead by now, his, his age. Yeah, but he did die on when he fell off that boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this just makes me think, so. I'm like, oh, yeah, um, a hotel owner and a priest. They fucking ran off together. It sounds like the start of a joke. Yeah, but like, they, they, they were having some little fucking, they were having some little tryst and they ran off together. They faked the deaths and fucked off. And now they're living somewhere else. That is a true story though. So someone, um, and it was only this decade, someone, I'm sure there's on a canoe. Yes, yes. They faked um, the death. He, he died, he drowned in his canoe. Yeah, yeah. And was death. found five years later in the attic of his widow's house. No, no, well, I'm sure, no, I think he went to, um Panama. Yeah, Panama. And he, and he was, he was, video, he was photographed in Panama and his wife said, to, the kids didn't even know. No, his kids thought we were dead, but his wife would go out to visit him in Panama. Yeah, and his wife said, uh, I want to go restart new life. Got over your dad, I'm going to go restart new life in Panama. I went to Panama, they got caught, and it's like, yeah, I'll fake my death to get my life insurance for about 500,000 pounds. So, yeah, happens. I just see, it's been like, it's just like, if you're going out, might, might be innocent, but if you're going out, you've got a boat, you're a hotel, you're this hotel, you're going out on your boat to go look at the Christmas lights. I don't even off the coast to look at the Christmas lights. That to me sounds like the kind of thing you do with a group of friends. Not with a priest. <laughs> no, just him and a priest. No one else. That'd be like, you get the lodge round and you get on your boat and you go out and have a bit of a party on the boat and watch Christmas lights. It's like a, it's like a really fucking good night. Just him and a priest went out. And then vanished, and like, yeah, and they now have a new life in Mexico, and are happily in love. You know, it's, that, that's where my head goes with that. This is all just my God opinion. But, bless you. you know, but you know what I mean? It's just cases like you go out a mile out to watch Christmas lights. That's kind of, that's a party. You know, it reminds, it's completely off topic because we talked about it, it reminds me of a joke. Mm. A funny joke. But when they were this stage, in there, I don't know, but it was uh, so, some priests, he, he went in. And he found all these other priests that were, were copying word for word the words of God. And he's like, well, you, you, you're copying from previous copies. We don't know. He says, you could make a mistake. Because you're copying from a copy, you don't know if the person who made the copy made a mistake. And the person who copies after you. Is, yeah, so yeah. there's an inheritable stick. So do you know what? I'm going to go down. I'm going to go speak. So he goes to the main guy and he goes, goes to the main priest and goes, these guys have been making a mistake. He goes, do you know what? Here's the key. Go into the, go into the vaults, go find what they're working on, and go compare. So when he goes down to the vaults, two days later, no one's seen him. And they're like, hold on, we've got to fucking hell. There's something, something bad here, something's going on. So one of the junior priests goes down, opens the door, and he sees him, he said, bang, and he said against the door. Oh, he goes, we got it wrong. There was an R. There was an R. He goes, what are you about? He goes, it was celebrate! It was celebrate! <laughs> <laughs>
Nice. <laughs> that, that would be so destroying, wouldn't it? That would be. We're celebrating for 30 years! We're supposed to celebrate for 30 years! Fuck! All the cock and hookers I missed out on! We're celebrating! <laughs> oh dear! Anyway, anyway! Priest on a boat! He found out it was an hour! He found out it was an hour! I'll say it went off! Anyway, um, um, we'll go to the next one then if I can. Um, so, so another big one was it Flight DC3? Um, and again, this is all World Warish. These are all yeah, yeah, yeah. So on on December twenty eighth, nineteen forty eight, the flight Douglas Dakota DC three took off at ten o three p.m. from San Juan Airport, Puerto Rico, heading for Miami. Only fifty minutes south of Florida, uh, it sent its last message to indicate its position. Only twenty minutes to go, the flight was never seen or heard from again. Um, now, what we've got here is Captain Bob. Linquist. No, Pugwash. <laughs> uh, Captain Bob Linquist reported to the ground engineers that the light indicator on the landing gear had not come on at the time of landing. So he's like, well, it hasn't, it hasn't come on. Um, the ground crew immediately started the checks and figured out that the battery was weak and running low on water. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. I've got no idea. Right. What the fuck's water's got to do with the battery light? Um, the stewardess Mary Burks was busy deplaning the passengers and the co-pilot was going around the aircraft doing routine checks. The ground crew refilled the battery and informed the captain that it would take several hours for the battery to fully recharge. But the captain decided not to wait that long and rather charge the batteries in the air from the aircraft's own generator. So it's like, fuck it, we'll just charge us, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll yeah. be absolutely fine. So at 8.03, um, it was all set to depart from Miami and by this time, all the 28 passengers had got back on board. Um, but, uh, before the plane could take off, the radio transmitter in the aircraft was not working properly due to the low battery. So the aircraft was asked to wait at the end of the tarmac. Um, the Puerto Rican transport drove to the plane to talk to the captain. And Linkust informed him he could clearly receive the messages but could not send messages due to the low battery. So he could receive messages but he couldn't send them. Right, okay, yeah, that makes So he heard yeah. stuff, but he couldn't send anything out. So you could talk him in, but he couldn't tell you if he was hearing you or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the captain reported the flight position when it was only 50 miles south of Florida, so I'm assuming at that point it must have charged a little bit. No, yeah. It was able to report where he is now. Um, but that was the last message received. The weather was normal. Um, the repeated radio signal from the control tower did not get any responses. So, the discussions were, you know, what could have happened to this plane, but ultimately, Captain Linquist told San Juan that if landing gear down the indicator lamps did not work, this led, this led to the discovery that his batteries were so low on water and metrical charge, that he ordered refilling of the batteries with the water. Um, he, re, he, instead of asking for new batteries, he said, let's reinstall the old ones, just stick the old ones in. Um, Right. Let's not recharge them. Just stick them in. They'll just fucking fly off and they'll recharge themselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, air, the aircraft left with batteries charged only enough to satisfy two radio way com, uh, two way radio communication with the tower. Um, and the aircraft left San Juan with cargo passengers overweight, so fifty four kilograms overweight. Right. And what you were allowed to fly with. Um, the message sent to the plane concerning a change in wind direction 
because of the low battery um, we don't even know if that was received so there was really high winds that could push the plane off they didn't even we don't know if they received it because these batteries are knackered the plane's electrical system was not functioning properly before departing and the aircraft had fuel for seven and a half hours of flight and at the time the last transmission was intercepted the flight had already gone for six hours and ten minutes um, so if you had any form of error, if you moved, if you went off course... One like degree. You were fucked. You're gone, yeah. Um, so people suggest that this, this DC-3 plane, that's another perfect example of where the Devil's Triangle has I, I sucked them in. But really, it was the Captain Chancing shit. Yeah. It's oh, just a cheap scare. I don't want to buy new batteries. The old ones are good. We'll charge up as we go. It, it seems to me it's like, I can't be arsed. Just, no. we'll be fine. It'll it's like if you put new batteries in, how much they're going to cost? Ah, oh, fuck it, we don't need to pay that, we'll be ready. Yeah, we'll, we'll be absolutely fine. If we just fucking stick it in as we're flying, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be alright. I mean, there's another one here I've got, I've got one more. Okay. Um, so, and this is kind of buys into the Bermuda Triangle mystery and how it all came about. So, in 1881, mm. According to the legend, a sailing ship, the Ellen Austin, found a derelict vessel and placed a crew to sail the vessel to port. Two versions of what happened to the vessel are, the vessel was either lost in a storm or was found again without a crew. Lawrence David Cooch, author of the Bermuda Triangle Mystery Sold, found no mention in 1880 or 81 newspapers of this alleged incident. He did, however, trace the legend to a book by Rupert Gold the Stargazer <laughs> Talks, published in 1943. The Ellen Austin did exist. A check from Lloyd to London records proved the existence of Meta, but in 1854, then in 1880, Meta was renamed Ellen Austin. There are no casualty listings for this vessel, or any vessel at the time that would suggest a large number of missing men were placed on board a derelict that later disappeared. Although one website includes the alleged derelict vessel incident, it does find that Rupert Gold talked about the legend on radio in the 1930s. Likewise, the website traces the derelict story to a June 1906 newspaper story which claims the derelict ship incident took place in 1891. However, the 1906 story does not give a reference to where this story came from. It's just made up. Made up for a book. <laughs> but it's one of the most famous, it's one of the famous disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle. And it never existed. Do you know what? I, I, I all the, all the re- I've got loads more, but all the rest of them are like, it sailed into a hurricane. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at, um, and I don't know if it's a conclusive list, and I'm assuming that we've got the same list. Mm-hmm. Because we'll probably, we'll do at some point... Crossover research without realising we're doing it, yeah. But I'm looking at, I'm just going to name the, um, let's see if it's the same list as you've got. So we've got the, the USS... So you're start from the top. Yeah, so the USS... So we've got um, 1492 Christopher Columbus, Columbus yeah. USS Pickering. So so it says that on, on course from from Guadalupe, Guadalupe Delaware, 90 people on board, lost in a gale. Yeah. Uh, 1814 the USS Wasp, 140 people on board, lost in possibly lost in a storm. Yeah. Then then the USS Wildcat in 1824, 14 people on board, no lost in the gale with 31 on board. So we're talking, these are the 1800s reporting mm-hmm. here. Um, 1840, the Rosalie found abandoned. Possibly the Rossini found derelict. 
or yeah. you could have. So we've, we've got the same list here. Pirates or whatever. And then we yeah. talked about the 1881 one now. I talked about the Cyclops already. Yeah. Uh, 21, Carly Daring, 5 Master Tuna, Captain WB Wommel, found a ground and abandoned their diamond shells near Cape Hathras. Yeah, we've got the same list here. But do you know that that's an interesting one though? That really is. Uh, the Daring one's an interesting one. Um, so, so I'm trying to see. Um, they. So the, the Daring was sighted at dawn by P. Brady. Let's have a look. I'm just going to see whether or not I even talk about this, but it, it still is. Do you know what? Forget it. It's, yeah. it. it still is a really interesting one. An Italian inquiry into the disappearance, though, confirmed that there have been strong hurricanes in the vicinity. Yeah. So. Most, about 9% of these disappearances, 95% of these disappearances are either human error or was there a hurricane that day. But let me just read this paragraph because the reason I found it interesting mm -hmm. is it, even though there was a hurricane. This is still quite interesting, I thought. Um, the Deering was sighted by a guy called Pete Brady uh, on lookout at the Coast Guard station from, from Cape Hatteras. The vessel was hard aground with all sails on the outer edge of the Diamond Shoals. These shoals that extended offshore from Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, had been notorious as a common site of shipwrecks for centuries and are known as the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. Um, rescue ships were unable to approach the vessel following bad weather and the ship was not boarded until February 4th, my birthday. Um, after being battered by the surf for several days, it became clear that the schooner had been completely abandoned. The steering equipment was found to be damaged, the steering wheel shattered and the binnacle box stoved in and the rudder disin disintegrated from its stock. The ship's log and navigation equipment were gone along with the crew's personal effects and the ship's two lifeboats. In the vessel's galley it appeared that the, the certain foodstuffs were being prepared for the next day's meal at the time of its abandonment. The Coast Guard cut up Manning attempted to salvage the daring but found it impossible so basically blew up. So why is this even in um, this Bermuda Triangle mystery? It was when they abandoned the ship? Yeah, it was like there was halfway through cutting veg and went fuck we're going. Right, up like buzz, off we go. And unfortunately, like, so that basically sounds like a hurricane came, abandoned fucking ship, which but I think you're probably safer in the ship than you yeah. are in a fucking, yeah. in fucking rubber dinghy on the fucking, but yeah, you've abandoned ship, jumped the rubber dinghies, and the hurricanes changed direction and grabbed you up. Ah, and you're fucking gone. That's it. That's, there's no mystery, no magic, <laughs> no aliens. Damn it. Um, <laughs> I think, we, I think we've gone through enough now because all, all our seasons kind of like I think we've got the same list and most of them are uh, like um, hurricanes or gales or stupidity well the, I, I looked at loads right and ultimately well, we talked about DC3 we talked about the star we've We've talked about a lot, and I, and I have got. And I, I'm not to look. I mean, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't come unprepared. I've got like 17 pages of notes. Um, but the problem I have is with every single one that I found so far. There was a hurricane that day, or there was a tropical storm that day, or the guy was a fucking idiot. That seems to be most of them. Um. Yeah, I mean. I'm finding people trying to find things that are occurring to fit into a narrative of, yeah. of well, 
this is this is happening. But we can't just finish it there, though. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I want to finish talking about the examples of what's gone missing. Okay. And we'll talk about possible explanations for okay. the Bermuda Triangle from people who believe that it's a, that it's a thing. Before we do, do you know you went crazy on me? Yeah. I think I deserve an opportunity to talk about something that's a bit different before we start going down this route, if that's okay with you. It's perfectly fine with me. So, um, you were crazy. I did the crazy. I brought you the Wes Bertman. This is not necessarily crazy, uh-huh. but it's different. So, what we've talked about so far, and... People might criticise us because we didn't go into detail about loads and loads and loads of, of history about ships that, that disappeared and yeah, aircraft yeah. that have crashed. But from everything I've ever investigated so far on ships and aircraft is the sea is a bit of a bitch. And, and it's not uncommon for this to happen anywhere else in the world that, that fucking things get swallowed and people disappear and you can't find planes. I've, I've got that point coming up later. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, yeah. Talk, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that. But, there was one that's a bit different, I thought. Right, go on. It's about, about a bike, uh, about a bike? About mm. a guy, <laughs> not a bike, called mm. Bruce Gernon. Uh-huh. Um, now, according to this guy called Gernon, um, he flew a little plane, and he departed from uh, Andrus Island in the Bahamas at 3pm on December 4th, 1970, in a Bonanza Ray 36, right. along with his father and his father's business associate. Um, he suggested that as he got over the Bermuda Triangle, um, the plane was engulfed by a strange cloud that to, that appeared to be following the plane's movements. Um, eventually, the plane broke free from this particular cloud, only to find another similar cloud in front of it. Um, and then the exterior cloud looked white and fluffy but then became like a cylinder so you could see straight through the and the cloud and the, the plane went through this cylindrical cloud sorry because don't mean I, I can't remember the facts of this story but this sounds very familiar to a TV program I saw in the 90s about the Bermuda Triangle right did he lose time or something in here and kind of yes yeah, so. yeah go on, sorry go on yeah I'm just it is I don't have it in my notes, but I have heard this story before. Yeah. No, no, so that's right. So as he yeah, went, as he flew into this cloud, um, I don't know what the fuck I was doing there. Oh. But as he flew into this cloud, anyway, um, he said there was loads of flashes of lights, um, and he thought it entered into this dangerous electrical storm. Um, he started to turn the plane, and tried to get out of it. Um, he he recognised that he looked into this cloud and thought, Do you know what? That seems to be about ten to fifteen miles long. This cloud. I can I can go through this tunnel. See, when it really calm, like the electrical storm was going around him, but there's a corridor of calm. Yeah, so it was flying through. It could see. Yeah. It could see sunlight at the end. Yeah. Now, the the one thing I would say is, I'm a driver. So before I even get any further, I drive, and if I'm sat in a tunnel, a long tunnel, there's no way, in my opinion, that I can go. I think this tunnel's five hundred meters long. Driving. Yeah, you have motorway tunnels. But I can't, I couldn't go there and go. That's a mile long that tunnel. 
Never mind, I'm in a plane going, I think that's 15... Uh, no, maybe you've no, you've nothing to judge distance on. No, you've got, you're not, you've got street lights or you've got lights in yeah. a tunnel. You can judge, oh, the lights are every yeah. 300 yards apart. If I can see 100 lights, that I might be so... 3,000 yeah, yeah. yards. But, but in a plane, you've got nothing. No. You can't see below. You can't see like how he knew... This yeah, is 10 to 15 miles. I don't, so that's the first thing I'd break mm-hmm. out going. I've no I, I remember this story on TV, watched a TV show about where it was there was an electrical storm with all these coloured lights going off, but he was in this like cylindrical corridor mm-hmm. that was really calm, perfect flying weather. Yeah, with everything going on around Everything him. going on around him, like outside, like he was in some kind of bubble or corridor. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, so, um, so he said uh, 10 to 15 miles long is what he thought it was. Um, while inside the tunnel, Gunnar noted there were spiralling lines swirling in counterclockwise motions on the interior as the plane progressed towards the opening. The tunnel seemed to be continually shrinking in both length and diameter. What seemed like a 10 mile tunnel at first, should have taken about 3 minutes, um, became a 1 mile long tunnel that passed through in 20 seconds. So he's saying it went zip. Right, so it's a big tunnel and it collapsed around him. Yeah. yeah. It's what's it. As the plane crossed the edge of the tunnel, its passengers experienced a sensation of weightlessness that lasted about 10 seconds. That's a long time of weightlessness. Yeah, and, and you have to be going at a, a velocity. To be weightless in Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, we have to, we've got that plane that goes the, the, vertical. I can't remember its actual name. I can't remember its actual proper name. I know its nickname. What's its nickname? The Vomit Rocket. Because it did it, it, doing the Apollo thirteen movie when they were when they were doing the um, the weightlessness thing. They actually did it and they went well, filmed it properly. Yeah. They went straight up and they went we're going to drop. Well, what it does is it it, it it's 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 kind of like a I want to say a cargo plane, but it's not a cargo plane. It's quite a big plane, but it's all padded. All there's no seats yeah. or anything. It's just completely padded. And you see it all the time. I think you can actually pay to go on it. It's one of the things. If I ever go to America, I'm going on that fucking plane. <laughs> And what it does is it doesn't, when you fly across the atmosphere at like 30,000 feet in a commercial jet, this goes to like 60,000 feet, I think, correct me in the comments, I'm making numbers up here. But what it does is instead of flying like that, it goes up, like takes a minute to get up there, and then 10, 20 seconds to come down, and then a minute to go up, so it, it's actually its flight path goes like that, right? Um, so that you experience weightlessness at this bit. And then it, after ten seconds or so, you come crashing back down to earth. Not down to earth, but you can get yeah. weight again. But it's all padded, so it's fine. It's, it's, they've used it for astronaut training. I can't remember what the actual plane is, but I know its nickname is the Vomit Rocket because uh, one of the most famous ones was uh, taking Stephen Hawking on it. <laughs> it's one of the most famous videos of Stephen Hawking on it. Brilliant. Um, but sorry, go on, continue. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Apollo thirteen did it as well when they when they were. Um Filming Apollo 13, they did some weightlessness training in it. And they went, do you know what? We can't fake it, we're just going to fucking go on the ship. Yeah. And they're floating around, like catching stuff, they're actually on the plane. Yeah, I think they did four or five trips in it. So they did like two or three trips to get used to it. And then filmed the next two trips and used footage of them yeah. going. It's like when you see Tom Hanks floating up and pressing a button. And it's just them going, all right, you ready? Now, action! And they'd lose weight and it'd just float across and go out and press a button. And then they'd. <laughs> superimpose that yeah. into the into the cockpit yeah but I thought it was brilliant but this little plane going through a thing it, it you can't do it and not that at that height 
Um, doesn't make any sense. And Dot Allen won't be able to achieve it. Um, so the only way it could be the velocity to achieve it and destroy the plane, surely. So the only so what he's suggesting is that this tunnel becomes anti gravity. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, um, so uh, I'm trying to see where I got to. Again. <laughs> if, you, if, if you go at that speed in that craft, so you become weightless. You don't have any inertial dampeners, so you become weightless. Where you just as soon as you stop being weightless, you just splat against the screen or the back of the plane, surely. Because the plane moving still, um, you're weightless. But so when you come back into weight, fullness, I suppose, whatever you want to call it. But you still got the gravity of the plane, though. So th that's the argument that flat Earthers have, isn't it? So it's like the Earth has got, has got gravity, um, and if you're flying with or against the earth it's like well if the earth's spinning a thousand miles in one direction um, and the plane's going in that direction but what if the, what if the plane's flying against it so surely the gravity of the earth should be taking the plane in one direction and therefore you could never progress the flat earthers say well if it was a globe but they don't understand the relationship between gravity and the and, and the plane it's like yeah it's, it's, it's a constant unit so it's like when you're Travelling at uh, 100 mile an hour, mm. you're fucking skin again with a fucking feeling. But inside a car, don't notice the difference. Depending on the car, you might fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're in a decent enough car, you're just fucking 100 mile an hour, don't even yeah, know the difference. If you're a plane going 500 miles an hour, you don't feel it. But if that car slams on, you fucking boom into windscreen. Yeah. So I'm saying if you're going at a speed that causes weightlessness, now, let's ignore for the fact that but you're travelling with the plane at the same time but let's ignore the fact that the plane had ripped apart that plane had ripped apart at yeah. those speeds right let's say it somehow stays intact you're talking about as soon as it stops travelling at those speeds you're going to fucking fly forward and or fucking collapse back down again only if it's instant what if it's a slow stop ah uh, alright okay yeah so if I yeah. emerging to break in the car I'm fucked everyone's fucking everyone's going there. forward but if, if you come from 100 to naught in a yeah. minute you don't even know alright okay yeah go on then but I don't know if that's true but yeah yeah um, so I'm just trying to put a bit of reference to this in my, like no. scientific reference in my head to this and you're trying to understand this bullshit mm -hmm. same as me so it's fine I at least read it before I sent it, it to you so you're trying to understand yeah. it as well <laughs> um, so it's a 10 seconds of, less, uh, of um, weightlessness. weightlessness so um, instead of the clay blue skies that Gurner first saw at the end of the tunnel, they were then met with blank grey haze all around them. No sky, no ocean, no horizon, nothing but greyness. And Gurner described it as resembling a thick fog except for the fact that visibility appeared to extend about two miles. When He's it, really good at getting his uh, distances, isn't he? Right, perfect, brilliant. Brilliant, though. this is amazing, yeah. When they attempted to read their location via the magnetic and electronic navigational systems, they discovered that their instruments were malfunctioning. Same as everybody else. Everyone else up to the Buddha Triangle, yeah. Gurnan contacted Miami Air Traffic again to seek their assistance in identifying their location via radar. However, Miami claimed that there were absolutely no planes visible on the radar anywhere between Miami Bimini and Andros. So invisible to radar now? Currently. Gernon did his best to steer the plane towards his destination with nothing but to go on but his own mental compass. 
So it's much better than the guy in the in the, the flight nineteen. Were like, oh, I'm going east. Oh, we're going too far east. We'll go west again. Um, oh, the truck. We're going to go northwest for a bit. He's just gone. Actually, Zen south is that way. <laughs> Zen has kicked in. You telco Bob, is it your fucking pigeon? Like, <laughs> yes. What is your internal compass? Like, I, I could, I, I know Leeds quite well, but I could, you could put a bag over my head, throw me in a car, take me to fucking Dales, drop me in a field, and then I take the bag and go. Leeds is that way. Exactly. You know, I wouldn't fucking, I wouldn't have a clue, but like. But we're the nearest home. What the fuck are we going? And he's got grey all over him here. We've no point of reference. Yeah, he's just got. He's got. Even, it's not even like I could go. Right. First thing you do in Dells is like, right. Where's where the fuck are? Where's the biggest hill? Oh yeah. Climb up the biggest hill until you get a nice mountain point. There's a town there. I'm off that way. Oh, right? or I can see some some some, some recognition. I can see a tower. I know that tower. Yeah, yeah. I've got oh. an idea about where you are. But yeah, but this guy's <laughs> out in the middle of fucking nowhere, above the sea. No landmarks to guess at. No idea if he's 10 miles from shore or 100 miles from shore and just goes, my internal compass says I go that way. He and Neo, okay? He's fucking narcissist is what he is. No, he should have been leaving flat 19. Yeah, yeah. Um, German did his best to steer the plane towards the destination with not much going now, compass. After a few minutes, um, he believed a plane, uh, sorry, I'm reading this wrong. The Miami radio controller announced it just spotted a plane directly over Miami Beach. Just blown at a radar range. Gernon did not believe the plane that they saw could have been his um, because it had been flying for 34 minutes and there was no way that he could have reached Miami in 34 minutes from where he'd flown from. It was at that time that the grey fog around him began to dissipate in a strange way that Gernon described as the horizontal ribbons across the sky that gradually expanded until the fog was gone. When the fog was gone, Gurney could see that he was in fact over Miami Beach. With the visibility and navigational instruments restored, Gurney landed the plane at Palm Beach International Airport and the flight lasted 48 minutes. Um, the issue being is it takes you 75 minutes to make the journey. I hope it got a world Guinness World Record certificate. Well... <laughs> The issue, so he said, so what he's saying is just because we were going down this other route, so mm-hmm. this is just a bit different to all the other stuff where people have died and disappeared. And the question here is, does he have a documented takeoff time and a documented landing time? We've got nothing there, <laughs> we've got nothing. So, because that's the easiest way to prove this is so because to fly, you've got to get clearance from the airport, yeah. So, what time did he get cleared from the airport? He left. Don't ask me and where's the questions. document record of him leaving some 34 minutes later landing at Miami because if you've got the documented time then you've proven that flight in which case collect your Guinness World Book of Records son and let's investigate what the fuck just happened don't ask me logical questions <laughs> <laughs> so again we'll, we'll talk about the, a few things that have happened here so let's talk a bit try and talk logical to an extent so if you get caught in an unexpected tailstorm mm-hmm. with that type of plane, could get pushed faster. Fifty. If it, it, it only takes fifty miles per hour faster to um, to be taken and be able to make that journey. I think. Yeah. So, in theory, if he did actually catch the back end of, if he's not lying, or 
whatever happened. But what year was this? 1970. Plus, probably didn't have flight logs as detail back then. So we know certain politicians and certain politicians were on a certain plane going to a certain island. Well, the Express. <coughs> because of flight logs. Yes. Now, if you took off from an airport or landed in an airport, there's flight logs. Yes. It, well, I don't know. If, if it's but 1970s, maybe not. Maybe not. But let's let's just say, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. He did this flight. He saw what he thought he saw. Yeah. Um, could it be the tail end of a storm that's fucking dragged him along really, really fast? And then it's like, the storm all got... His instruments all got fucked because of an electrical could, could storm. Could it be... An electrical storm that it's propelled him forward, and I don't know, something the fucking want Tesla working on hallucinogenic magnetic fields. Is it? Is it the Hutchinson? Is it the Hutchinson effect? Where he was talking about the creation of electromagnetic storms from like a mist, which can be created naturally, and he did it in. I'm sure he did it in this. I I, I and I don't know enough about this now actually, but I'm sure he did it in a like an environment where he, he could control. But you're saying in nature, you could, could create naturally. yeah the Hutchinson effect of where it could bend space time, where space time could be bent naturally by electrical forces coming together in some sort of fog, and if you get caught in that fog, space and time gets bent. But did Tesla sit inside his Faraday cage and start speaking to God and aliens and shit? He said he could see all of the past and all of the, the future, future all at the same time. Side side, so what I'm saying, if Tesla could do that in a Faraday cage, and we have documented evidence, but it's not in Tesla's... Well, it's Tesla's word. ...word of it, but he could see all the space and time inside his Faraday cage. You fly through an electrical storm, let's say Tesla couldn't see all the time and space, he was just hallucinating some magnetic resonance. So we know we scanned the brain with MRI machines, yeah. with magnetic resonance, we use the magnetic fields to scan the brain. If you scan at a different frequency, you start hallucinating because the electrical impulse in your brain are on the same electrical wavelength. I reckon you drunk your homebrew before we started. My homebrew is fucking good. Better than this piss I'm drinking. But, but um, yeah, so I'm just wondering if it's a case of this is an electrical, a magnetic storm or electrical storm on the same electrical wavelength as your brain waves and you start hallucinating because you're connecting with it in some way or something, I don't know. Epoxia? Um, epoxy even but yeah yeah it just sounds like maybe hallucinated a bit and well the problem we have with this guy is there's no evidence for it ever happening there is this is the issue so no evidence he even took off that day uh, he it had he'd done it a few times yeah but there's no evidence of that flight happening on that day or anything happening in that flight well, it could have happened, but he's. I, I can't find evidence that he's produced other than uh, a fuel stub that says, "Look, I got fuel that day." <laughs> so you can get a fuel stub up road full in your car. It don't mean you drove to London exactly. that day. You know. Um, but the one thing I will say is, when we always say, "Follow the money," he wrote a book. Done. There we go. That's. I'm trying to put, I'm trying to find the evidence in this. I can't find any evidence at all. I mean, oh, he wrote a book about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where the story came from. That's why this story exists. So, I just, I just wanted to be a bit different. But he believed he time travelled. He he, he time travelled thirty minutes. Went to this big grey tunnel, like 
Langoliers mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. And t- time disappeared. All lost. It's like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? So he said he was in a, in this plane, hit this cloud. See, this is in the Tanzania. 70s as well. So this is when early abductions were coming into pop culture where missing minutes and time was a thing. So the reason we call our optics that we put up the missing minutes is a, is a link back to alien abductions when... It's just a play on, play on words. But yeah, yeah. But so this is kind of, he's read alien abductions, in pop culture, time goes missing. Ooh, I can do this, I can write on that. And well, it didn't suggest it was aliens this time at least. No, no, but just... In, time went missing it was a was it a natural phenomenon was it an alien from up to you to decide that makes for a good sale because it's how you interpret it yeah but listen to the thing is though I I watched a few videos on him and in the same way that people give credence to Bob Lazar who Bob Lazar never changed his story never once always and you've been proved right year after year after year well this, from what I can say from this guy is, I don't think his story's ever changed. So, either he's, <laughs> he's got some sort of form of psychosis where, either, it, it, well, okay, he's either he's got into a lie, like we were saying before. That Sometimes it's easy to keep a lie going than to back out of it. It's like, I said the lie, I'm like, really? It's like, Oh, oh, fuck, it won't fuck go this far. Shit. Bollocks. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in deep now. Wrote a book about it and went, I can't turn back now. Mm-hmm. And, I have to, and I have to be absolutely spot on with it and don't change my story. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he believes if I were the same. But. Just epoxia and hallucinations and it's real to you. Yeah. Well, you uh, and let's be honest, right? There's been times. Let's, 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 let's get some credence here, right? We. We've never talked about it on camera, we've never had this discussion on, on the Illuminati, but we have in private, well not private even, not off camera shall we say, that uh, we've talked about people taking DMT and having visions, or Anushka and having visions, mm-hmm. and I fully believe they're visions, because I know they've taken a drug, they've had this vision, that is what they've experienced, yes. that's their experience of what happened. I don't go, oh, fucking, oh, I spoke to God. I fucking didn't speak to God. You can't go, oh, you go, God don't exist. Fuck off. It's like, no, 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 I, I believe you spoke to someone or something. Or maybe not even someone or something, but your brain is processing information. Well, DMT does, In a yeah. certain way. Yeah. That's what DMT does. And you're taking certain information and putting it into a framework that you can understand. And that, that understanding framework is God. Um, <clears throat> that's people having hallucinations. Yes. And being so deep in hallucination that it's, it's true to them. This could be the same. It could be an epoxia, an hallucination through epoxia, but it's so real that it's true to him. Oh. And that's why he's never changed his story. But, I'm uh, trying to give him some benefit of the doubt yeah. here. And but it could be something as simple as, and we've all done it, um, and it may not do not on purpose, but we've all lost time track of time all going I'm sure I left at 2 but he actually left no I left at half 2 it's like shit I'm, I can't believe it it's just I know it sounds very times I've gone to Angel for a pint and left 12 hours late and go where did that fucking day go well, so I only there for 3 hours it's <laughs> it, it, something as simple as even Jones the day it's like I'm sure I'm not at half 1 I'm, I'm not shit I had at 2 it's like bloody hell mm-hmm. the day's got either 
So, could it be something as simple as just to think of catalogue his time? But it's that thing of time flies when you're having fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The days you wait for something all day, and it's every minute is dragging. And then when it finally comes to doing it, it's it's because it's four o'clock already. Bollocks. Oh, alternatively, it's storm hit, and you got mm. scared. You lose track of time completely when yeah, you're yeah. scared. Mm-hmm. So, maybe he had an experience, but his his validation, his recollection, recollection is, is not right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe his recollection is not right, but um, it's certainly interesting. But I, I know I've, I've heard that story before. I've seen it yeah. dramatized in yeah, yeah, yeah. graphics and stuff. Where but it, it wasn't a missing plane or a missing ship. This is a guy no, no. who's actually on different. I had time warp over the. Bermuda Triangle. Well, this this brings me to possible reasons for the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. Right? These are my favourites. Because it's we've got this, it's kind of a heart, grabbing off the back of that, a harking back to the beginning, like, if all these things go missing in the Bermuda Triangle, then what, what causes them? Yep. Right? Yep. So, I've got a list here. Right? Ooh, okay. Of People, I'm going to preface this with persons accepting the Bermuda Triangle as a real phenomenon have offered a number of explanatory approaches. Okay. So this is people who have gone, we know the Bermuda Triangle is a an event, it's a thing. Okay. But we don't know why it's a thing. So I this is what we think it might be. And before you do go there, that's that that answer's fine. I know something's happening. I can observe it, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. That's an absolutely fine observation and answer. So, but what I'm saying, these are from you know, because I've, I've got two sets here. Right, so I've got a set of people who believe the Bermuda Triangle is a mysterious, okay. weird place, and try to give an explanation to why it's so weird. Then I've got some explanations from sceptics. Okay. Because I like to be balanced. <laughs> I think I've got something similar. So no. let's do it. So like we are talking earlier about the, uh, you know, we went to Flight 19 and just UFOs come out of nowhere. Um, right, so first up, paranormal explanations. Okay. Triangle writers, that's, that's the official term for them, by the way. Is that, is that what you call when you've... Yeah, triangle writers. So this cult is a triangle writers cult. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I've used a number of supernatural concepts to explain the events. One explanation pins the blame on leftover technology from the mythical lost continent of Atlantis. That is definitely something we'll cover. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes connected to the Atlantis story is a submerged rock formation known as the Benini Road. That, that is, is really, really weird. Interesting. That is really weird and interesting. And right. People, do, do you know the, the way that when I observed the Benini Road, I, I don't know if there's cognitive dissonance going on, but it's, it doesn't matter what, what evidence people showed to me and say, this is natural. That my looks built, brain, that looks crafted, it looks, my, my brain cannot see it other than crafted. I know. Yeah. It looks like a genuine... It's the same as the uh, the Giant's Causeway in Ireland. Exactly the same. That looks built. It, uh, yeah, it, it, 
doing it, you can give me all explanation how it's natural and how it's formed, I don't care that, it's like that, that, no, that was made, yeah, that looks made, it looks, that was laid down. Oh, honestly, honestly. It, it, Google Bimini Road, yeah. um, I'm sure we'll cover it in an Atlantic It's massive later. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go to a little bit, so sometimes connected to the Atlantic stories is submerged rock formation known as the Bimini Road, off the island of Bimini in the Bahamas, which is in the triangle by some definitions, so depending which right you're reading. Right, okay. The Bimini Road might be in the triangle, it might not. So it's not in the Gaddis okay. triangle that we were about earlier. Um, follows the purported psychic Edgar Case. Edgar Case. Edgar Casey. Casey, sorry, yeah. yeah. Take his prediction that evidence about Lampis will be found in 1968 as referring to the discovery of the Bimini Road. Do you know about Edgar Casey? I've not read into him. So Edgar Casey. Uh, I got really intrigued by Casey back in the day when I believed anything was sold um, because he wrote a book called The Lost Records of the Hall of something or other basically he, he stated that in the Sphinx that there's, there's a chamber with the records in of, of all humanity yeah, yeah yeah and that's Lafayetteans yeah um, um. And that when we when we're at the level of consciousness where we understand, we'll be allowed access to this records. But Edgar Casey was also what's a YouTube channel that uses the weird animation? Something evolution. I'll show you the video. It's fucking okay. amazing. But Edgar yeah. Casey also um, was renowned for being. Um, he's one of those weird ones where I'm sure Darren Brown would be able to debunk him instantly. Yeah. But for his time. He got a shitload of predictions right. He was able to do really, really specific readings that people found absolutely mind blowing. <laughs> absolutely mind blowing. Um, but he, he, also, he, he also made future predictions about. He said that Lagos would be found in 1968, and that's when we discovered the Bermuda Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going like, see, this, it was right, it was right, he did it. Uh, but, but he also talked about the Sphinx, and, and parts of the Sphinx he talked about was true. Like, there's a secret action that there is. Yeah, yeah. And you can see it. Um, we found it, but we won't, But the Egyptian government refused to let a robot down there. Is there? There's a shaft. Yeah. And we know there's a. We've scanned it and there's a room behind it. But the Egyptian government won't let us break the seal into the room to see what's in there. The antiquities, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But supposedly the Sphinx is this lost solid record from the Library of Alexandria, which talked about the Atlanteans about where we came from and when we get to this level of consciousness. So Ed Casey actually in the 18th and well, in the 19th century. 20th century, um, in fact. Really stopped your eye on you there. I am. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to what you're saying, but your eyes just going red. That's absolutely <laughs> smashing something there. But 20th century, Eddie Casey is, it was really, really important. It was like. It's a gang that's looking. Uh, one uh, of the first people to actually um, come out as being. When people tried to debunk psychics, they found it troublesome to debunk him. Ooh. Well, okay, because I know about the secret chamber. The, lost Hall of Records. The Lost Hall of Records in the. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a. A video, some ever, is it psychic evolution? I think that's I'm going to find it. I'll find it very shortly. Do you know what? I think Ed Casey will be good for an episode. Might be actually. Um, it was, uh, believe Sorry. Described, <laughs> yeah, believe it's described the formation as a road, wall, or other structure, but the Bimini Road is of natural origin. Ah, oh. just back out. My cognitive this is there, like, right? Other oh. writers attribute the events to UFOs. Charles Berlitz, author of various books on anomalous phenomena, lists several theories attributing the losses in the triangle to anomalous or unexplained forces. So, I was talking about um, possible explanations, so there's paranormal explanations. Yes. 
natural explanations. So I talked about the UFO explanation about um, the they would come and abduct um, effectively try and abduct um, military personnel in a place where it couldn't really be catalogued because they were like the atomic bomb went off. Ooh, fucking hell! You you are a threat. Yeah. Let's take if let's really take military. Let's grab flight nineteen and find out what the military is up to. Yeah, because yeah. it would take them over the ocean when no one's really monitoring. We'll be able to rather than come and do a, a, an independence day invasion shit. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just take them where no one's going to. Well, I mean, we want the natural explanations. I like these actually. All right. So uh, you kind of touched this early with um, like flight nineteen is compass not working and body pissed, body just hungover, body just incompetent. Um, but compass variations are a thing. And the natural though. So compass problems are one of the cited phrases in many triangle incidents. While some have theorised that unusual local magnetic anomalies may exist in the area, such anomalies have never been found. Okay. Compasses have natural magnetic variations in relation to the magnetic poles, a fact which navigators have known for centuries. Magnetic compass north and geographic true north are exactly the same, only for a small number of places. Correct, 5%. For example, as of 2000, in the United States, only those places on the line running from Wisconsin to the Gulf of Mexico uh, where those two align. This isn't far. The Bermuda Triangle and its starting point isn't far from the Gulf of Mexico. No, but like we said, no, one degree off yeah, could be yeah, a hundred yeah, mile yeah. after an hour, right? So you have to recalibrate both. Yeah, yeah. Pieces, yeah. So the only time you don't have to is if you're flying in a line between Wisconsin and the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. So only when the two meet up naturally. Anything off that line, as of 2000, you have to calibrate for. And since then, the true north has changed again. Yeah, and it's changed again since 2000, right? Now Siberia. I'm not sure because I know change, the pole changes on its axis. Don't I it? think it, I think it's now it's had a mass change. It's now in Siberia. Is it um, but the public may not be as informed. Back then, certainly not. Well, even now, even though I know they're both different, I wouldn't have to fucking calibrate for it. No, but you know what? They, actually, that, that's quite true. If you said to um, most of the public now, went north, they've gone north pole. Yeah. But and they wouldn't know there's two differences. No, no. But even though I know there's two differences, you go, all right, so you know the difference between geographic north and magnetic north. Yeah, yeah. All right, can you just rely on those compasses then? I don't fucking know. How. Well, we're not talked to. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, even the public now. Okay. North Pole? Oh, yeah, it's up in top of the planet, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's up there. Somewhere. It's where Santa lives. <laughs> 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 no, but, you, but yeah, ultimately, and I'm not trying to be offensive here, but most people go, there's one north. Yeah. And it's up there, yeah. you know. Um, so, uh, the public may not be swamped and think there is something mysterious about a compass changing across an area as large as the triangle, which it naturally will. It, it, I, well, lots of places on the planet. So, it's not just a case of I'm flying from Bermuda, uh, from Bahamas to, my, to Florida. I'm changing my compass and I've got. You'll have to change it a couple of times while flying. Because mm. an area as big as the triangle you'd have to change it you'd have to keep adjusting it to just keep keep yourself on course or at least no that it won't change on its own yeah 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 um i know and this is a big one for me that explains you know like how did 
Flight 19 go down and we didn't find any of the wreckage. How yeah. did this boat disappear and we didn't find any of the wreckage, blah, blah, whatever. The Gulfstream. Didn't they um, find, even if you forget the Gulfstream for a second, didn't they find that there's a specific place um, in the fucking triangle where the two oceans specifically meet? Mm hmm. And, and where they meet, right in the middle of the triangle, is really troublesome. Like, you've got two oceans crashing together Ooh. with two different directions of currents hitting each other at the same point. Well, it's to say the, the Gulfstream, I, I think I've heard something about that, where two yeah. oceans meet and they, it creates it a kind causes, of anomaly. Yeah. causing massive waves, like, yeah. out, out of the ordinary. This is why you get so many unexpected storms in the, yeah. in the Bermuda Triangle so, and stuff. Hot, hot, cold, hitting constantly yeah. and it causes like random weather it's where you get hurricanes and shit down there and yeah i mean yeah. cycles of hurricanes but, but the Gulfstream is a major surface current primarily driven by thermohaline circulation that originates in the gulf of mexico and then flows through the straits of florida into the north atlantic in essence it is a river within an ocean yeah it's true yeah and like a river it can and does carry floating objects has a maximum surface velocity of about 2 metres per second, or 6.6 feet per second. A small plane making a water landing or a boat having engine trouble can be carried away from its reported position in the current. At 6 metres per second? Yeah. So if you go, I'm stuck here, my engines are out, I'm stuck here, I come get me, and then they come get you 20 minutes later, you travel 6 feet a second for 20 minutes, you're not where they're going to. 6 times 6 times 6, 3,600 times 20, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a fair distance away. You are, yeah. So when they got, oh, this plane went down here, uh, let's go back to flight 19, this plane went down in this 50 mile area. Well, by the time you finish searching that 50 mile area and not found them, they're fucking 300 mile over there, because the Gulfstream just grabbed the planes and yeah. carried them. True. That makes a lot of sense to me. Just to me, no. absolutely. Um, human error? For me, human error is the most plausible of all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the, one of the most cited explanations in official inquiries as to the loss of any aircraft or vessel is human error. Human stubbornness may have caused businessman Harvey Canova to lose his sailing yacht, Ravonic, as he sailed into the teeth of a storm south of Florida on January 1st, 1958. So they went, don't go that way, there's a storm. And he went, oh, I'm a boss, alright, it's good. Never seen again. And I think that's a combination of like human error, he's sailing to a hurricane, a hurricane, or oh, tropical storm, sorry, it's fucked up his boat, and the Gulfstream's grabbed it and fucked it off. Yeah. Like his boat's gone down into the Gulfstream, boom, it's gone. Um, violent weather, because about hurricanes and shit. Um, so. But the thing is, though, this is this is another thing that um, when I when I've read about a lot of these things is storms storms that appear that really quickly and disappear really fast. Yeah, called squalls. They yeah. just appear and go. Yeah, even not necessarily a squall, or unpredict, especially in the nineteen forties and the lot before, unpredicted weather. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, blue skies. Go out. Five minutes later, it's like, where's this fucking storm cloud come from? Yeah. Hits gone. 
People on land go, been a beautiful, been a beautiful day all day long. Ten miles out to sea, it's like, I've just been hit by a fucking thunderstorm. This, this one's interesting to me, which I think violent storms might be attributed to a lot of cases of the shunby. Right. It's because people are trying to say, logically. Well, the one I'm going to bring up next, me saying hydrates. I saw a video, and it was at the Australian University by any chance. Because it's it the same video I saw this week. I don't think it was. Uh, I'm going to quote it here. But, well, no. um, an explanation for some of the disappearances is focused on the presence of large fields of methane hydrates, a form of natural gas, on the continental shelves. Laboratory experiments carried out in Australia have proven that bubbles can, indeed, sink a scale model ship by decreasing the density of water. Any wreckage consequently rising to the surface would be rapidly dispersed by the Gulf Stream. It has been hypothesised that periodic methane eruptions, sometimes called mud volcanoes, may produce regions of frothy water that are no longer capable of providing adequate buoyancy for ships. If this were the case, such an area forming around a ship would cause it to sink very rapidly and without warning. Publications by the USGS described large stores of undersea hydrates worldwide, including the Blake Ridge area off the coast of the southeastern United States. However, according to the USGS, no large release of gas hydrates are believed to have occurred in Muda Triangle for the past 15,000 years. Well, what so basically what it does is, I've seen it. Methane comes up and it just basically changes the molecular level of water molecular level of water because there's too much methane in it and sinks just and boats just go boom. Well, it's it's just like a black hole for boats essentially. It's not in the molecular level, so not molecular level, that's wrong, but it's a chemical makeup yeah. of water. So all changes the chemical makeup. It's like being H2O it's a lot of fucking methane. Well, so, so all that happens if you if you the boats sat buoyant on, on water. Because the boats buoyant across the surface tension. Yeah. All but the methane removes surface tension. Yeah. So all, all basically happens is, and and with the methane, what I saw was when the methane um, create it's it's localized. It's not everywhere around. It's like no, no, it's like one mile area. It happens fast. Yeah. Lots of bubbles just appear, and the problem is it's just oxygen filled. So all that's happening is it goes here's a boat. Loads of oxygen happens at the bottom. The boat collapses into the oxygen. And the water surrounds top of the boat and it yeah. sinks. And it happens instantly. There's nothing you can't do. The boat wouldn't even know what's fucking happened. It's like, I'm floating, all the suction appears, boat sinks. And it's seconds. Well, this is, this is the Everyone's dead, it's nothing. This is the torpedo, torpedoes at the Navy. I don't know if they've got them in. I don't they're working on them or they've got them in service now. I'm not sure. The Marine battle about five years ago. And fire torpedoes and they're not meant to hit the boat blow up underneath blow up underneath so the water disperses and for that two seconds that there's no water the hull cracks because there's nothing keeping the boat so it just collapses because there's no hold, no holding the weight up and then two seconds later the water rushes back in but it flows into the crack yeah, yeah, and right, the boat's yeah. so you actually cause more damage by not hitting the boat than you do by hitting yeah, it yeah it's true um, I don't know if those are, I don't know if they're in in play or not. Yeah, I don't know if they've been used. No, they are. They are. I know they were working on them. It's very um, clever. But um, yeah, so uh, criticisms of the Bermuda Triangle. Have we got any more to add? Um, we've got people who believe. 
I know it's quite ranging. That was people who think it's aliens, people who think it's Atlantis, some people think it's human error, people think it's violent weather, people think it's methane. Um, they're all good explanations to these people who go, I think the Bermuda Triangle is a thing, but it's because people are fucking idiots. Or, I think Bermuda Triangle is a thing because the methane bubbles are, are yeah, Atlantis. I mean, you know, just, just there's all reasons to why. What I'm going to move on to next is why the Bermuda Triangle is not a thing. So, so if you got old to say why it is, it's just a couple of lines of Atlantis. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of skipped over that. I thought we wanted to put the bum, uh, the Buming Road in there, but I kind of skipped over because I kind of want to save Atlantis for a future episode. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. it's just remember. Uh, well, I'm saying to you, remember you know, but people don't know. But at the heart of Atlantis was the fire crystal. So the idea is that the heart of Atlantis was this fire crystal, which is um, a source of all energy for yeah, Atlantis. Exactly. And so when that energy is going somewhere and doing something. So the idea was that when Atlantis was existed, that this either an earthquake occurred or uh, or, or something happened. Basically, Atlantis sunk. So a, a massive, un, un, unaware catastrophe happened. And it sunk. The idea is that this fire crystal—it's it, an energy that can't be depleted. It's like a mm-hmm. big nuclear reactor, just a crystal. And so, if that's sunk under Bermuda, that that fire crystal is still somehow um, energized, mm-hmm. and the energy is this negative energy of well, for our technology, it's a negative energy. So it'll just suck it in. So when it goes pulse, for everything gets sucked into it. Um, now we've never found such fire crystal, and it's which is interesting. But the idea of Atlantis is based upon I think it comes from the is it the Alexand- yeah, Alexandria records? Socrates. Yeah, yeah, and I think the Socrates the, that wrote that he'd seen Atlantis had been from Atlantis. I think the Socrates that yeah, wrote and, it. and the so Socrates Plato Plato, sorry. It could be it's one of the Greek philosophers mm-hmm. anyway, and then the Great Library of Alexandria wrote all about it. When, before that got burnt down supposedly that got taken down to the Sphinx and got put all the records and we all know yeah. about it but um, very contrived of course but um, that Atlantis had this big crystal which powered this alien yeah, technology but, which powered but Atlantis was actually um, a city in the mountains I think it was in the Himalayas and um, it one only a city but a ship and it took off into space flew to the Pegasus galaxy and because it got attacked by the wraith submerged itself underwater and the fire crystal you're on about is uh, it's called a zero point module and that's what's used to power the um, Altair and defence outpost in Antarctica and used to power um, stargates and stuff like that in Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> I just I talk about something I bring Stargate in. <laughs> Hitler had it under his pillow. <laughs> Sorry, I wonder how far I could get with that before you realised I was quoting SG1 again. Yeah, I was oh, technically I was quoting Stargate Atlantis. I was thinking what movies he watched. <laughs> but um As always, it's Stargate. <laughs> um so yeah, so uh, criticisms. Of okay. the concept of the Bermuda Triangle. 
So, so, let me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that as well. <laughs> Sorry, I have to get Stargate in there. Because you were about the fire crystal. And I was like, that's his FPM. And uh, that's how they get out of that. It's but he did sing. He flew to the Pegasus Galaxy. Because it was a city on a ship. And that's where you get the spin off. The spin off stage from Stargate HD where you Stargate out of this. Fine. <laughs> You do your Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just become a running joke now that every conspiracy theory I managed to link to Stargate, Stargate somehow. Fucking leprechauns. Oh, you Some of them are human error and not enemy frame bubbles and stuff. Uh, well, some people believe magnetism. There's a big magnetism underneath the ocean. So I want to get to people who criticise it, who don't believe the Bermuda Triangle's thing. Okay. I'm just really interested in balance. So, uh, Larry Kush, or Kushchi, I don't know how to pronounce that, uh, author of the Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved, 1975. Okay. Argued that many claims of Gaddis and subsequent writers were exaggerated, dubious, or unverifiable. Custody's research revealed a number of inaccuracies and inconsistencies between Berlitz's accounts and statements from eyewitnesses, participants, and others involved in the initial instance. Custody noticed cases where pertinent information went unreported, such as the disappearance of round the world yachtsman Donald Crowhurst, which Berlitz had presented as a mystery despite clear evidence to the contrary. Another example was the ore carrier recounted by Berlitz as lost without a trace three days out of an Atlantic port, when it had been lost three days out of a port with the same name in the Pacific Ocean. Kutcher also argued that a large percentage of the instances that sparked allegations of the Triangle's mysterious implements actually occurred well outside it. Often his research was simple. He would review period newspapers of the dates of reported instance and find reports on possible relevant events like unusual weather that were never mentioned in the in the disappearance stories. I'm, I'm struggling to understand how what what, what this guy or, or what this is is referencing. So he's looking at um, all the instances that have happened inside the triangle. Or right. people. So he's got one that one inside the triangle because you keep moving it for your book. Okay. And I'm going to look at um, when you said this ship disappeared. I'm going to look at weather reports and newspaper articles and. And research, and he's trying to debunk that the triangle even exists. Okay. Right. So he concluded that the number of ships and aircraft reported missing in the area was not significantly greater, proportionally speaking, than in any other part of the ocean. Yeah. Um, in an area frequented by tropical cyclones, the number of disappearances that did occur were, for the most part, neither disproportionate, unlikely, nor mysterious. And that's still true today. Yeah. 
Furthermore, Berlitz and other writers would often fail to mention such storms or even represent the disappearance as having happened in calm conditions when meteorological records clearly contradict this. So some writers like Berlitz have wrote a book going, and there was a perfect sailing weather and the boat just vanished and he's gone, actually there was a hurricane in that day in that spot where that boat was. So fuck off dickhead. Um, the numbers themselves have been exaggerated by sloppy research. A boat's disappearance, for example, would be reported, but it's eventual if belated return to port may not have been. Oh, right, okay. So a so boat, returned. A boat might go missing for two days. It might turn two days late. Goes missing. Might be in the eye of a hurricane and maybe calmed and can't move. But it turns up to port two days later. They'll report it missing, but they won't report it turning back up. Yeah. Um, some disappearances had, in fact, never happened. <laughs> One plane crash was said to have taken place in 1937 off Daytona Beach, Florida, in front of hundreds of witnesses. A check of the local papers revealed nothing. Uh, just because a local rag isn't In 1937, if a hundred people witness a plane crash, it's got to be in the paper. What if the local paper was asked to quash it. Uh, possibly, possibly, but more likely to be reported. It, it would more likely. I can see your point. I can see his as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and finally, the legend of the Bermuda Triangle is a manufactured mystery, per per uh, perpetuated by writers who either purposely or unknowingly made use of misconceptions, faulty reasoning and sensationalism. In, tw in a 2013 study, the Worldwide Fund for Nature identified the world's 10 most dangerous waters for shipping, but the, the Bermuda Triangle was not among them. Damn it, you stole some of my data here. <laughs> right. I've, got, I've, got, I've got some more if you want to go, some yeah, further go, responses. Go, go. Uh, when the UK Channel 4 television programme, The Bermuda Triangle, 1992, was being produced by John Simmons of Geofilms for the Equinox series, the marine insurance market, Lloyds of London, was asked if an, an unusually large number of ships had sunk in the Bermuda Triangle area. Lloyds determined that large numbers of ships had not sunk there. Lloyds does not charge higher rates for passing through this area. It's one of the highest traffic places in the world. Yeah, so you think someone like the Bermuda Triangle has really existed, then you pay a high insurance premium for sailing through there. Nope, nope, Lloyds of London, one of the biggest maritime insurers, just went, no, we, we don't charge a premium for sailing through Bermuda. Because it's it's a traffic, or, or it's, it's a failure rate, it's no different to loads of different other places. United States Coast Guard records confirm their conclusion, in fact, the number of supposed disappearances is relatively insignificant considering the number of ships and aircraft that pass through there on a regular basis. So I've got here, the United Coast Guard said, the Coast Guard does not recognise the existence of the so-called Bermuda Triangle as a geographic area or specific hazard to ships or planes. In a review of many aircraft and vessels losses in the area over the years, there's been nothing discovered that would that would indicate that casualties were the result of anything other than physical causes. No extraordinary factors have ever been identified. Yep. Um, I'll add time a little bit more if you don't mind. Go on. 
The Coast Guard is also officially sceptical of the Triangle, knowing that they collect and publish through their inquiries much documentation contradicting many of the instances written about the Triangle authors, uh, written about by the Triangle authors. In one such incident involving the 1972 explosion and sink of the tanker VA Fog, the Coast Guard photographed the wreck and recovered several bodies. In contrast with one Triangle author's claim that all the bodies had vanished with the exception of the captain who was found sitting at his cabin at his desk clutching a coffee cup. <laughs> In addition, VA Fog sank off the coast of Texas, nowhere near the common accepted boundaries of the Triangle. So it's light. <laughs> um, the Nova Horizon episode of The Case of the Bermuda Triangle, aired in June 27, 1976, was highly critical, stating that when we've gone back to the original sources or the people involved, the mystery evaporates. Science does not have, not have to answer questions about the triangle because those questions are not valid in the first place. Ships and planes behave in the triangle the same way they behave everywhere else in the world. I can, I've got loads more. I've got two more if you want me to go on. Do it! <laughs> Skeptical researchers such as Ernest Tavares and Barry Singer have noted how mysteries and the paranormal are very popular and profitable. This has led to the production of vast amounts of material on topics such as the Bermuda Triangle. They were able to show that some of the pro-paranormal material is often misleading or inaccurate, but its producers continue to market it. Accordingly, they have claimed that the market is biased in favour of books, TV specials and any other media that support the Triangle mystery, and against well-researched material if it espouses a sceptical <coughs> viewpoint. It doesn't sell, <coughs> does it? Follow the money. Sex sells, man. I was saying, follow the money. Like I said right at the beginning. Oh, so frustrating. Uh, and finally, Benjamin Radford, an author and scientific paranormal investigator, noted in an interview on the Bermuda Triangle that it could be very difficult locating an aircraft lost at sea due to the vast search area. And although the disappearance might be mysterious, that did not make it paranormal or unexplainable. Radford further noted the importance of double-checking information as the mystery surrounding the Bermuda Triangle had been created by people who were neglected to do so. So basically going, all these people who created the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle have done so because they refused or neglected to look at their research. And that's not uncommon in many paranormal research areas where they'll go, this, this is bits, I'll use it. Yeah. But that's why ten percent even nine percent doesn't fit. Doesn't matter. This ten percent proves I'm right. The nine percent's invalid. And actually, no. The nine percent's valid. The ten percent is unexplained. Uh, and because it's unexplained, doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. So, just to bookend that a little bit. Um, so, when you were talking about the WWF there, and they said that the. Um, Bermuda Triangle isn't even in their top ten. Yeah. Um, so the South, the, the South China Sea and East Indies, East Mediterranean, Black Sea, North Sea, and British Isles were found to be the most dangerous hotspots mm -hmm. involving ships. Since 1999, there's been 293 shipping accidents. So this was, so this report was over 12 years from 1999 to 2011. So. No, there's been 10 years since then, but um, there's been 293 shipping accidents in South China Sea and East, Andi East Indies, home of the Coral Triangle, and 76% of the world's coral species. Now, what they did 
is they mapped the top 10 incident zones. Now, for your fact we're going to show a badger, I, I don't know if I can get this on screen, because if I can, I'll get this yeah, next, yeah. but, but I'll, I'll show you. So, oh, oh, number 24 is where, so this is the Gulf of Mexico here. Yeah. Number 24 is where, where the Bermuda Triangle is. Triangle. So, and it's 24 for shipping. And it will be called the East, the US Eastern East Seaboard. Yeah, so that's where it will be. Now, the US Eastern Seaboard is not even close to being top 10. The There is, however, 24th. 23, the West Indies, but that's because you've got the Panama Canal. Yeah. You've got the Panama Canal for which is probably the world's most biggest shipping lane. It's very, very busy. Very, very busy. I mean, we saw, didn't we see recently with a... The big ship we've got caught The Suez, that was the Suez Canal, Suez not the Panama. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but the Panama's the second biggest shipping lane in the world because if you come through the Panama Canal, you get over to, over there. Coming to Africa, yeah. yeah. Whereas without the Panama Canal, you have to come down and round or up and over. Um, but what we're showing here, but, but quite simply, the WWF said in their own infographic, um, They've done it specifically because they're looking at mm -hmm. oil spills and, and, and corals and so on. They've and the environmental impact of shipping lanes and you're just trying to create barrier reef, which is why we don't go around Australia anymore. Yeah. That's down to, what's that, that's down to 16. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's oh no, the barrier reef's there, sorry. What say, Where's the barrier reef there? That's the barrier reef there, so that's, is that 15, 13? So that's not the yeah. amount of incident, that's, that's just naming right. the, the thing. But, so, the South China Sea, has got the most incidents over that mm -hmm. period. But, but but for the sake of this video, 24, which is where this is, meant to be the Bermuda Triangle, is meant to be, is not even close to being so in the top 10. No. So. So this is, this world, sorry, I don't practically put, just guess this picture, he says, world map indicating top 10 incident zones, 99 to 2011, and the Bermuda Triangle is 24. It's not even close. It's not even there. No. It, it's so the WWF had done their own research. So what was what they're saying to us is it's a really high traffic zone. It really is massively high traffic. Zone. Yeah, yeah. But compared to other high traffic zones, it's not even, not even in the top ten. Don't even mention the top ten. Yeah. It's, there's more accidents elsewhere than there is here. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. There's other triangles. The Japanese have got their own triangle. Is it called the? Is it, is it the Devil's Triangle? No, the Devil's Triangle is the other name for the Bermuda Triangle. But I think they have the Pacific Triangle, the Demon's Triangle. Demon Triangle, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the so the Japanese have their own. There's lots of these little triangles everywhere around the world. Um, it's. I'm really upset, Badger. Well, I guess I'm ready to close now. If you are. Because I think I've gone into this enough and... Do you know what? Normally I close first. I'm going to give you... My closet. Well, I've got closing yeah. points here. Go on. Okay. Um, and normally I don't do the... I don't apologise. I don't do the big debunking like I just did there. But I thought it was important today because of the way so many... So much of the stories that prove the triangle exists were written by people selling books. Oh. So I I felt I needed to put that debunking bit in. Well, can I just right. say before we do close, that um, there are hundreds of years worth of stories mm -hmm. that we've just
skipped over. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, but we could have been here for fucking six hours if we'd have covered them all. But, but more, more easily yeah, yeah. more, easily more. But the the reason we didn't wet flight nineteen because mm-hmm. it's, it's the most important one. It's, yeah. it's the most famous one. Yeah, and we skipped over lots of other ones. But ultimately, flight nineteen was the most evidential based one. Yeah, and we skipped over loads of others. And you know, I'm expecting criticism in the comments. Yeah. But, and we encourage it. We encourage criticism every but, week. Go for it, please. Please do. But we didn't bring them up on purpose because they lack significant evidence, really. Yeah, there's there's a lot written about Flight 19. There's not so much written about that dude and the priest on a boat <laughs> off Miami. You know, um, other than they're getting married. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so incredible. The reason I brought up, I don't normally bring such big debunk into a theory. Um, Two reasons I did. One because all my research seemed to think seemed to side on that people who were pro triangle were selling books. Yeah. And I didn't want to be shilling for authors. So I thought we need some kind of balance in there. Um secondly, um we have a rule that we don't bring new evidence to closing. Correct. So if I'm gonna rely on this evidence for my closing then I need to put it out there before I close um, which is why I debunk so heavily with those last bits in our first videos we did the Bigfoot argument yeah um, so uh, in closing uh, I've got three points here basically it comes down to uh, the Goldstein could be responsible for carrying away a lot of the debris that's scientific fact yeah I can't I can't find anywhere to argue with that okay um, like you were just saying, I loved you were just saying there. Can you read out point two for me? Badger loves. <laughs> um, no real statistical data to show more incidents than anywhere else. Yeah. That's exactly what you were just saying there. I just to say that I've not seen your research, oh. but yeah, my second point is there's no real statistical data to show there's more incidents in the triangle than anywhere else. Um, Point number three, follow the money. Fuck ton of books have been written about the Muda Triangle that it's all off its own industry. Um, so if the question is, the Muda Triangle, does that believe it's paranormal or it's aliens or it's UFO, is it? Is it? It's not even UFO or aliens or, or, or Atlantis. Or, is the Bermuda Triangle a thing? I grew up, like we said at the beginning, I grew up believing it was because I saw these TV shows of um, Ripley's Believe It or Not or Riker's Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. And it was just given that that's a fact. TV told me it's a thing, so it's a thing. It's one of those losing, it's like the moon landing for me today. It's like a bit of an innocence stripped away again today. Like the moon landing, I always believed the moon landing were hoaxed, and then when we did that episode, how emotionally drained we were at the end of it because it, yeah. even though the science was times it was real, we, we, we didn't want to believe it because it's like losing the last bit of your childhood. Very similar now, where it's just like, this was always just fact, this was just, the Moon of Triangle was always a thing. And I have found absolutely zero evidence to say it's a thing. Everything that says 
this is the Triangle incident is explained by hurricanes or incompetence or human error. Um, maybe a few unexplained, like the priest and the guy. Well, they just probably fucking ditched a pension scam, didn't they? And ran off to live a new life together. I mean, we've seen evidence of that in previous things. You know, so, yeah, there's nothing here to show me that the Bermuda Triangle is real. And it does feel like I'm losing a little bit of my childhood. But, yeah. Is the, tri is, is the Bermuda Triangle a thing? That does not believe. And it hurts me to say that. I don't like it. I'm opposite to you. Fuck off. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> How do you know? I am not finished yet. <laughs> I know your analytical mind. I, I, I believe more than you. I, I believe in more things than you do on this show. There's no possible way. You can one, <laughs> look in that camera and honestly it's just saying it's something you believe in it. And two, convince me that you believe in it. But sorry, I'll let you close. <laughs> oh, let me take a drink and try and do this again. <laughs> Fuck's sake, badger. <laughs> You're not allowed to close first ever again. <laughs> There's a reason I close second. <laughs> It's because I say one thing and you, Matt, you met with the one that goes, ooh. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very likely to go, ooh. But if I'm, the, if I'm so adamant that like, I fucking nah, there's nothing here for me, there is fucking less than <coughs> nothing for you. Oh. I tried to. I, I like the fact you've gone, I like the fact you've gone said because it makes his clothing funny, you know. <laughs> Where does Greg stand? We all fucking know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Fuck you, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> you forced the day. In fact, fucking Bigfoot the day. <laughs> I wasn't there. <coughs> okay. To get real on your ass just for one <laughs> second, um, I've looked through. Now, I didn't talk about all these pages clearly. Yeah. So. Um, I said there were a lot in my notes, but we skipped through a yeah, lot because yeah. we'd have been here forever. Yeah. We would have been. So, uh, and, and we were right to talk about Flight 19 as the main reason. But if I, talk, if I look at all the conspiracies beforehand, aliens, mm -hmm. it's a, so even though I have a precursor to believing aliens in a certain way, they come down and do all these abductions. First, that my challenge would be: was there any radar? Was there any physical evidence? Was there any evidence of any kind mm -hmm. to suggest that that might have happened? So, even though that's fucking properly out there, I still go let's challenge it on a logical basis. And none of that was ever discussed, other than some people have gone, "This might have happened." Could they have seen a USO? And attacked it by accident, etc., etc., um, without any evidence. So, so I can say aliens are off the fucking table all day long. Um, every single thing that I saw so far, in my opinion, is I would, I always, I never ever discount paranormal. 
I will never no. discount it. No. However, it has to be the last conversation every single time. So, if there's a conversation with, with that says there is a scientific or logical explanation that could come first, that should come first, that's what I would do. You're and describing Occam's razor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, this is a bit more... But paranormal's not off the table. It's never sorry, off the table. Sorry, I'm too close. No, no, paranormal's never off the table. Mm-hmm. But, logic and science mm-hmm. and all those explanations of can, could that be a possible explanation first? If none of those things could be an explanation where someone goes, there's absolutely no way that logic, rationale or reason can explain any of these things. Potentially it could be uh, uh, paranormal. It still doesn't prove paranormal, but it could say a paranormal explanation is on the table. Mm-hmm. Without evidence, without proving it, but we can't prove it with any of those things. There's not a single historical um, thing that's occurred that I cannot say, looking at weather patterns, looking at science, looking at logic, can't explain away. And because I can say, I don't know for all of them, I don't know, mm-hmm. doesn't mean paranormal kicks in first. You can say, well, actually, just because I don't know why that plane's disappeared, or I don't know why that ship, ship has sunk, and I, I honestly don't know why you can't find that plane, doesn't mean that you can go, well, actually, if you look at the Gulf Stream, it could explain it. And I could say, that's a more logical and rational explanation than aliens came down and took them, for which we've got no evidence <laughs> of. So, and for that particular reason, and for all the things we've seen so far, and all the things you've explained already, and the fact that you follow the money, there's no splitters, and it's really ups- and do you know what this 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 is another it's loss. Like, it's like Charles Wilson's gone in it again. It, it, it's yeah. the moon landing again. Yeah, it, it is. It generally is that it's the moon landing. I look at this and go, I can't believe it's just simply upsettingly. There's no evidence that the Bermuda Triangle is any different to any any other bit of water in the world anywhere. There isn't, and. There's so many fanciful stories, which are wonderful, but even if I had no explanation for those fanciful, wonderful... Let's just say, I couldn't... I had no explanation for any of those. There's no evidence of paranormal either. No, That's the big it's, thing. It's, 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 I want to believe it's Atlantis and the fire crystal that's pulsing and, and knocking our technology out, and that's wonderful and fantastic believing. But there's fuck all evidence for it. Well, let's just say, I'll put it this way, right, so let's just, let's just put it in, this, in, in a very simple scenario for me. Let's just say, every single ship and plane that's ever disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle, no one can sit down and go, well, I don't have any evidence whatsoever that saying yeah. why that's happened. Mm-hmm. It's still, there's still no evidence of all the paranormal stuff. No. This is the issue, right? So... Mm-hmm. Because he's still saying all these things disappeared and all these planes have gone, all these ships have sunk and all these people and we can't find anything. 
irrespective of all of all this thing, we think all this might have happened. There's still no evidence of the paranormal. There's still no UFO sightings. No. There's still no abductions. There's still no bodies. There's still nothing. It's like, how can you jump to? I don't know. So therefore, it must be this. It does feel to me like there's no information. Death or it's aliens. But that's not the answer. It, it does no. It does feel like that. Is that how it feels to you? Like, yeah, it's just like exactly. Oh well, well, it might be the gold shoe. It might be this. It might be this. It might be these ten different things. But we don't know if it is them. So it's aliens. It feels like an episode of Asian Aliens right now. Like not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. But aliens. Yeah. You know, it does feel like, like there's no. In all the cases, there's no UFO sightings. There's no um, abnormal events or. It's a complete or, logical fallacy. This is the issue. It is just there's a gap in the story. I'm going to put aliens into it. That sells a book. Oh, that fight feels to me. Or, or, or the Atlanteans. Yeah. Or without. Because because I. So this. this And so. I've, I've cut. I'm saying time it's offended you. And I'm going to say this as well because this is my way of thinking. And I don't know if people agree, but until. Just because I can't explain something doesn't mean I fill that explanation with the paranormal explanation. No, no, there's, there's stuff, you know, and, and I feel like sometimes we, we sit down and we go, oh, we're conspiracy theorists, and we debunk more than we prove. Um, which is upsetting for me. Which is upsetting for me, but there is stuff, I know we've not got to, we've not done Relish and Forrest yet, we've not done Roswell yet. They're ones that I really They're fucking believe ones. in. Yeah. Um, and I'm fucking scared when we're going to do them now. But, like, the Moon of Triangle was a big one I believed in. But there's nothing here. Like at least we went from what I know of Reynolds and what I know of Roswell. There's, there's there's UFO involvement. There's alien. There's a reason to have aliens in that story. But right, yeah, no, just yeah, yeah, right. There's a yeah. reason to have aliens in that story. Yes. There's eyewitnesses of UFOs yes. at Reynolds and there's the Jesse Wallace accounts at Roswell and stuff like that. Right? And we have to pick. We have to do them at one point. We're gonna pick through them and. and probably destroyers again but in this one in this one on its own there is no aliens there's no UFOs there's no sightings there's no interaction there's, there's, there's nothing to say UFO other than I'm selling the books I put UFOs in if one of these is said so let, let's just say actually tell, tell me like, there's one one UFO bit and that's Christopher Columbus See the UFO. It's all lights. It's all lights. Yeah, but that could be anything. Um, that that's it. But that's it. That's the only thing of aliens in all the incidents. That's the only one you could put aliens in because Christopher Columbus saw UFO. Everything else, there's no UFO sightings. Let's there's no nothing. It's just oh, there's a gap in information. I'm going to put aliens in. Got a book. So if Flight 19, is, let, let's put it this way, let's just say, for, for the sake of arguments, Flight 19 and the logs, and we've seen it from loads of loads of other things that happened, like Tic Tac mm-hmm. UFO and stuff, but if Flight 19 has said, what is that? I'm or saying, what's on the side of it? Yeah, yeah. I'm singing, I've seen two sons, or, or something. Yeah, um, there's, there's a craft at the side of my compass don't work anymore, what's going on here? And radar you know? goes, I can see two ships. Now you've got... UFO no, involvement. It doesn't mean it's a UFO. No, no, but it's, but it's a discussion. No, it is a UFO. 
because it's an unidentified flying object. object doesn't right. mean it's alien right. I hate this bit where you go UFO or you yeah, yeah, yeah. aliens no. No, 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 no it's an unidentified flying object I don't, could be a Russian fucking jet that America didn't know they had yet or anything you know what I mean yeah, but it's a discussion but it's a discussion to be had there is nothing mm. about aliens none or UFOs in this in any in any of this apart from the any. Christopher Columbus one where he says he saw a UFO that's it or a light he saw a light yeah. that was it he saw a light and he got two people to confirm he saw a light apart from that every other incident has no UFOs in it it's all UFOs have been implanted into the story because there's a gap in the knowledge. We know A happened here, B happened there, then C happened, then X happened. So in between C and X, we're going to put aliens in and I'm going to sell a book. About Atlantis. Yeah. Well, 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 you can fit aliens in here. Everyone's putting aliens in. I'll take the aliens out in between. We've got A, B, C and we've got X. We don't know what happened between C and X. Every writer is putting aliens in and selling books. I'm going to take the aliens out, I'm going to put Atlantis in, and I'm going to sell a book. Well, because, you know, why, why not all those planes sink and you can't find them? You've not found Atlantis yet. They're in there. You know, it's. Me, the only time me and you went, ooh, was a bunning wall. Yeah. The bunning road. Yeah, because. But that's somewhere else that's not. I suppose it is a part of this, but it's a different theory completely. Um, it's a different story completely. I still cognitive dissonance. And, and as I pointed out, <laughs> it doesn't depend. Me, I was talking about the uh, Gaddis Argosi triangle. The Bunning Road doesn't appear in the Gaddis Argosi triangle. No, it doesn't. But and we sat out at the beginning of this show. We were working on the Gaddis Argosi triangle. No, no. I'm, I, so we can't include the Bunning Road. In no, it. I'm saying. Bonning Road, even even though I still think the Bonning Road has got more of an explanation. Yeah, I've got some cognitive dissonance and we have to do a full episode on that. Doesn't mean it's Atlantis to start Don't mean Atlantis, I've got, I've got some, it, it doesn't look natural. It looks <laughs> yeah. made, right? But, but, at the beginning of the show, we said we're using the Gaddis Ar- yeah. Argosi Triangle. Agreed. So And the Bonning Road's not in there, so we can't. So does I believe, do I believe the... Bermuda Triangle exists? Do I believe it's got paranormal paranormal point? No, is it a thing? Is it even a thing? Not like, oh, is it UFO? Is it paranormal? No. Is it a thing? No. No, is it? Padger, can I I say, why did I think of this channel? It's just fucking ruining my childhood. I know. I don't know why we're friends anymore. I don't even know. (laughs) On that note, see there.